Hi, this is Steve. In the last year, one of the questions we've gotten asked the most is when are you going to have Michael Vogel back to finish the original Star Wars trilogy with an episode on Return of the Jedi? Well, last Wednesday, we got Michael on the mic to do exactly that. The result, as you would imagine, was a ton of fun, including discussions on guilt and redemption, advancements in special effects, hatred of Ewoks, George Lucas's special edition changes, and Return of the Jedi's place in the Star Wars universe. Star Wars is really the first mass media juggernaut, with properties spinning out into toys, comics, animation, video games, amusement parks, novels, clothing, and almost every aspect of pop culture. It is quite literally one of the most successful properties in the history of cinema. Numbers are a bit hard to come by, but most estimates have Star Wars earning an average of over a billion dollars a year for the last 42 years. There are about 30 countries in the world whose GDP is less than the money earned by the fictitious Star Wars universe. All of which means that the odds are most of you have seen Return of the Jedi. But just in case you haven't, it's time to set your course for cinephiles.net. That's C-I-N-E-F-I-L-E-S.net, where you can pick up Jedi, The Empire Strikes Back, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, and every other movie we've ever reviewed. Then, head back here on Friday to hear us complete the original Star Wars trilogy with our special guest, Michael Vogel. Hi, everyone. Today, as I was finishing editing our episode on Return of the Jedi, we heard the sad news that Peter Mayhew had passed away. John and I knew we couldn't release a Star Wars episode without saying something about the man who gave us so much joy as Chewbacca. Unfortunately, there was no way for the two of us to get together, so we decided to record our thoughts separately. So here's John. Thank you, Steve. Well, yeah, um, very sad to hear the passing of Mart of uh, Peter Mayhew and Chewbacca. Um, you know, he's a guy who uh, a lot of us fell in love with Chewbacca through Mayhew's performance and that, uh, you know, that iconic, all that stuff. We all did imitations and things of that nature. We were kids and we were playing with the toys. Uh, we would do the voice of Chewbacca, do the sounds of Chewbacca and all that kind of jazz. That was always a fantastic thing for us. And so, you know, and you saw in the lighter years how he was kind of, I don't know, suffering with deteriorating health. And so you see his knees and all these big, tall guy. You knew something was going to happen with him eventually. And then you saw him kind of deteriorate a little bit. And it was unfortunate to see him recently in some of the appearances uh, in so much pain. But the joy was always there, the desire to play Chewbacca. If you see any of the behind the scenes for Force Awakens, you can tell how much ownership he felt about this character, that he wanted to do as many scenes as possible um, and that young kid, Jonas, he got to do some, he obviously portrayed uh, Chewbacca in, in Solo and then uh, in some of Force Awakens, but he wanted to do, uh, Peter Mayhew wanted to do as much as possible. So that's his love letter, I think, to the fans who love Star Wars. And, you know, we didn't know when we recorded Return of the Jedi, this uh, podcast that we're doing here, this episode, we didn't know that Peter was going to pass, but um, we, Steve and I thought we'd record a tribute uh, to him. Uh, so uh, he is off to that Millennium Falcon in the sky. Uh, and all I can feel is gratitude that he was able to create such a fantastic character for us to enjoy and remember for the rest of our lives and pass on to our kids, which I think uh, is one of the greatest legacies you can leave as an actor uh, or as a person in this world to spread a little joy generation to generation. All right, back to you, Steve. Thanks, John. You know, 
I've spent a lot of time thinking about Star Wars in the last week. And while most of our attention always goes to the big stuff, Luke learning the ways of the Force, an unlikely romance between Han Solo and Princess Leia, and of course Luke's battle with the dark side, and the final confrontation with Darth Vader and the Emperor. But Star Wars is more than that. It's C-3PO bickering with R2-D2. It's an unlikely friendship between two scoundrels. It's new worlds, new creatures, exciting adventures, and of course, a Wookiee named Chewbacca. Hidden under a mask of fur and without a single word of English dialogue, Peter Mayhew managed to convey not just rage, frustration, and aggression, although he did all of those, but friendship, humor, embarrassment, regret, and a profound loving connection to his friends. Chewbacca was as real to us as any other Star Wars character, and all of us who love those stories owes a huge debt to the wonderful work of the actor behind all that hair. So... Thanks for everything you gave us. And now, on to Star Wars, Episode 6, Return of the Jedi. Hello and welcome once again to The Cinephiles, where each week we enter the world of a great film. We explore its themes, the history, the filmmaking, and the influence it has on us today. My name is Steve Morris. I'm a filmmaker and directing instructor in Los Angeles, California. Hello, everyone. My name is John Roke. I'm a voiceover artist, uh, writer, producer, and host over at Collider Video and the co-host of the Top Ten, now on its own feed on iTunes and multiple other places wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm super excited to welcome back to the show, Steve, one of our oldest friends and don't, don't frequent, super excited. frequent collaborators, frequent guests. He is like, I think now, I think he's the most uh, guest we've had on here the most. Oh, without question. He has his own green room yes. and jacket, yeah. smoking jacket, which we keep adjusting the batch. Uh, but yeah, pretty excited to welcome him back. Uh, I requested only blue M&Ms in oh. the green room, and I saw some yellow ones, so I don't know if this will be my last podcast with you or not. That's messed up. Um, I am Michael Vogel, uh, <laughs> writer, producer of animated TV shows and movies, and general animated geek of the universe, yes. and very excited to be back, uh, and very excited to talk about... Uh, uh, one of our favorite things to talk about. Yeah. And that's because about two years ago, we had Michael on the show to discuss the very first Star Wars film known to son as Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. A year and a half ago, we had Michael on the show to discuss The Empire Strikes Back. And today, we welcome him back to complete the original trilogy with Episode Six: Return of the Jedi. And I am ready for it. Are you ready to tell me how you first came to this film? Uh. I, this, I, so I technically saw all Star Wars movies in the movie theater. I think I've talked about this uh, on the other yeah. versions. Like, I think yeah. I was born in 1977, and my parents tell me that they put me in a baby seat and took me to the drive-in theater so that they could see Star Wars. <laughs> so I don't remember this, but I did. I have a vague, vague recollection of getting super scared in Empire Strikes Back and making my dad leave the movie theater before he found out who Darth Vader was Oof. to Luke. But this is the one that I actually remember going to see in the movie theater. Like this was my first. This was my first. So you're six years old. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, six years old, and I actually distinctly remember going to see it in the movie theater and being completely obsessed with everything. And then, as became a habit in the world of the Vogel household, making my parents buy me absolutely everything Return of the Jedi related. <laughs> I had it all. 
John, do you remember? Yeah, uh, this was still in that period when we would go as a family to movie th- to the movies, and I remember this being one of the last movies before I moved into that like teenage years of 14, 15 years old and went to see this movie with my family uh, when it came out. And I remember I had begged my dad to take me to Empire Strikes Back, so because my dad was like like sci-fi stuff, you couldn't have picked a guy who would care less about it than my father. And we went and saw, saw it in the theater, and I just remember like being insane about it. And I had all kinds of Star Wars stuff as well. I mean, I had the Luke Sky with a big Luke Skywalker. I had the the speeder. I had the Millennium Falcon. I had Harrison. I had Han Solo. I had everything, but I never had a so goddamn jealous. Ewok. <laughs> and never will. I had the Ewok Village. I had the Ewok action figures. I had a Wicket doll. I had Wicket Underoos. My sister had a Princess Kisa doll. Like we had all of it. Oh my god! I didn't. Ha- I had a Millennium Falcon. That was it. That's the only <laughs> Star Wars toy I, I, toy I ever owned. Like the Ewok Village was legit. Like the coveted playset. Sure, this. it was like, a big deal. I'm sure. So I was in high school as the oldest one here, and. As you probably could guess, I was not a uh, troublemaker as a kid. I didn't cut class. I didn't cheat. I didn't do anything like that, except on opening day in 1983, I cut school. I waited in line I think all day, like and it was. This is when you used to wait in line, and so the yeah. the movie would get out, and the line would move forward a whole bunch, and then I waited, and then the next showing went out, and we moved forward more, and I was still waiting. I think I waited six plus hours in line to see Star Wars at the cinema in Corte Madera, and it was one of the great movie going experiences of all time. And we'll get to some of the reasons why it was, but it's like this is. I, I it's funny. We, obviously, Star Wars, the first one, is the beginning of something. And what we said in Empire was that, when we did our podcast, because I re-listened to it, is that that's the movie that solidifies this as a franchise. Like, without Empire, that's I don't think it becomes what it becomes. Oh, we don't have Star Wars. Right? And, and I think, well, Jedi is my least favorite of these three. There is something about it that I think sets the tone for all sorts of movies to come after that. Mm. Um, A little bit of pre-production. Obviously, the previous films were big hits. (laughs) And as we talked about with Empire is that it's really an independent film because Lucas financed it independently. And now with all the money from Empire, he had the money to finance Jedi independently. The budget was about the same as Empire. It's not that much more. It's $32.5 million. And I mean, that's just amazing to think about in terms of like what movies cost now. You're I like, know. wait a minute, what? 32.5. Um, do you know who the first director that Lucas wanted? Oh, no. St- Steven Spielberg? He Eric wanted Stoltz. Steven Spielberg. Yeah, Eric Stoltz again. <laughs> he rears his head. <laughs> Hashtag. Hashtag. <laughs> Eric Stoltz. Was Eric Stoltz. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, that makes he, so much sense. He wanted Spielberg. And the reason he couldn't have it him was because he was in all sorts of trouble with the Directors Guild. Because of his, and I don't understand what all of it was, but he couldn't hire a DGA director to direct oh. this thing. The next director- Oh, Lucas was in trouble. Lucas was in yes, trouble. Yes, and I think I remember it, it spawns from Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. It, him fighting for Irv Kirshner, he removed himself because they mm. wouldn't- certify Irv Kirshner as a director and I think what happened was Lucas then removed himself from the DGA and they got upset and said you can't work with any DGA directors for your next film then because of what he did for Irv Kirshner and he was right to go with Kirshner absolutely save the franchise and next he went to David Lynch holy shit now that would have been a movie right I mean, if he was unhappy with how dark Empire became, can you imagine oh my God. David Lynch's version 
But wait. So Lynch said no, and he went off to make Dune. <laughs> so he wanted, so speaking of dark, yeah. you want to know who the next director he went after was? God, who? Another David, this time Cronenberg. Cronenberg. Jeez. Wow. <laughs> David Cronenberg. And he also oh, said thank you, but no, and went off to make Videodrome. Yeah. Which that movie freaked my shit out. Yep. That is a disturbing film. Um, have you ever seen it? I have not seen that, and now I and now I will not because it, it's it. Yeah, no. Yeah. And and so what he needed was a not a good director who was non DGA, and so he went to England and found Richard Marquand, mm-hmm. which is the person we talk about Irving Kirshner all the time. Yeah, this guy's name it almost never comes up, and he had directed some small movies. He directed Eye of the Needle, and he was a good director. Never done any special effects. Never done anything like this. And it seems like, so as we talked about when we did Empire, Lucas probably not such a fan of Empire and wasn't really on the set. And that is not what happened here. He was there all the time. And the way he described it was doing it much more like a TV executive producer who is on the set supervising everything all the time, which he was. He he shot second unit. And I think he handled this kind of like the Marvel movies, which is he brought in a director but he, who didn't really know special effects, he had all of his guys doing that. He supervised all of the effects, all of the action sequences, and the director was there mainly to work with the actors. That's interesting. I mean, that's actually, you're right. He kind of was the... Uh, the Feige. He, he was the Feige he was of the Jedi. Feige, yeah. yeah. Uh, shall we begin? Let's do it. We start the same way with that music and that scroll that was so important to me as a kid. It just meant good things were going to come. And after the scroll, we tilt down to the Death Star, which is being constructed over this planet. And one of the things that I didn't know was because George had always thought this was at least a trilogy. He didn't want to destroy the Death Star at the end of Star Wars. Oh, wow. The Death Star was supposed to be destroyed at the end of the third movie. That makes sense. Interesting, because it is kind of... I was I was rewatching Jedi and I was thinking of it and it's like I I do think like and I, I as we were talking about a little bit ago I love all Star Wars movies except for the prequels but I I love everything that's happening now even though I think they're problematic and in the very beginning of Jedi I was like well this is the beginning of the problems right <laughs> it's another Death Star yep yeah. like we blew up the Death Star here's Death Star two which will only be dwarfed by Death Star three aka Star Killer Base like yep. we're just gonna keep rebuilding right. the same thing over and over but and, and then Death Star Canon in Last Jedi so exactly. you know, we can't walk away but from uh, but yes that you see like the ruined Death Star which when I was a kid I thought like the half built sort of ruined yeah. under construction Death Star was very cool it it looks great um, and a shuttle shows up and it's Vader with a great intro with his great music one thing by the way because the, the there's so much attention paid to sound in the Star Wars films and I'm gonna continue to do it. Darth Vader's footsteps here were recorded in abandoned military tunnels in the Marin Headlands. Wow. That's how they got that echoing sound. Wow. And he shows up. The officer there is nervous because construction is behind. And Darth Vader gives him some very sweet and gentle and supportive encouragement, I think. <laughs> yeah. You may dispense with the pleasantries, Commander. I'm here to put you back on schedule. I assure you, Lord Vader, my men are working as fast as they can. Perhaps I can find new ways to motivate them. The Emperor's coming, and he's not happy with the problems. <laughs> so they're going to double their efforts. Yeah. And we go off back to Tatooine and R2-D2 and C-3PO. And it's so lovely because it just feels like you're just back you're at back. Hope again. Like, you're, yep. like they do yeah. a good job of kind of being like, oh, 
We're, we're, we're going back to where we started, which feels great. To me, this is the most hidden fortress totally. reference in all the three movies, yeah. which is, mm-hmm. of course, what in the Kurosawa Samurai movies and Hidden Fortress specifically influenced him for Star Wars. But this is the most, them, them going through the desert this way, you see this all the time in Hidden Fortress with those two companions, and it's like, oh, this makes so much sense. Yeah. And they find a big, huge door. Mm. <laughs> C-3PO is very much like, uh, let's go away. Knock <laughs> on the door. No one there. Let's go away. And then this thing pops out and talks to him. Goodness gracious me. I always think, I always fear every time I watch Return of the Jedi and that eyeball pops out and it's like, I'm always like, that's like the Star Wars version of like, who rang that bell? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what I yeah, always think of. So there are, all sorts of li- there are all sorts of languages that we hear in Star Wars. <laughs> this C-3PO one is the worst. Yeah. R2-wood, D-toa, Bo-se-3-pe-oa, a it's Mushmouth from Fat Albert. <laughs> it's basically that. Uh, but they say they got a message, and the door opens, and they head inside. And inside we meet, uh, we see our first sort of pig guy guard, which is a Gamorian. See, I actually took notes this time. It's like, yeah. I need to know the names of all oh, these. Oh, yeah. I, I did not take notes, but I can tell you, those are the Gamorian guards, yeah. and then Bib Fortuna shows up. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the kind of squid guy. Yeah. Or like a Twi'lek. I think he's a Twi'lek. He's a Twi'lek. He's a male Twi'lek. Male Twi'lek's not as attractive as female Twi'leks. <laughs> wow. And that's not a sexist thing. Like, I don't he's judge. Very, he's got that weird thing growing under his neck anyways. Yeah. Um, Le Jabba no bother. That's good. That's Thank you. Good. And we say that we got some gift to deliver to Jabba directly, and in we go to Jabba's big room to meet Jabba the Hutt. Which, by the way, speaking of acting things that I never really realized, there's this little moment that happens because like Bib Fortuna totally tries to take the gift for himself. Yes. And R2-D2 refuses. And then there's this thing that I never noticed as a kid, which is Bib Fortuna has this moment where he looks at the Gamorrean guard, and the Gamorrean guard kind of makes this face, and I was like, oh, he would have still jacked that gift, except the guards were watching him, too. Yeah. Random random. Uh, I never noticed that. But I was watching it, and I was like, huh. That mother... Twi'lek. So Jabba the Hutt, he's a great creature. And, and and what's interesting is like they up the creature game so much, so much. in this film. Yeah. There are so many of them. They're so big and so complicated. Um, and this one is, it weighs tons. It took 11 people to run. It's modeled, the image, by the way, that George Lucas gave to the designers was Sidney Greenstreet from uh, Casablanca. Oh, that makes so much sense. <laughs> hilarious. They even designed one where he had a fez. <laughs> um Oh no! Oh yes, Jabba in a fez. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a huge, complicated thing to coordinate his his movements, and R two comes in to deliver his message, and it is a projection of Luke Skywalker. And now, like Luke is like Jedi'd up, full Jedi, mm-hmm. and speaking in this very polite way to exalted one, Jabba the Hut. Very different from the Luke that we left at the end of yeah. uh, of Empire. Yeah. And one thing that comes up is what the gift is. These two droids. What? <laughs> C-3PO's the greatest. Like, turn it, turn it off. It's the wrong message. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, again, and again, I'm not going to labor the point, but these are sentient beings that you're just selling into slavery, and C-3PO has no choice in this. Right, true, very true. Except Luke's not really doing it. He's just putting everybody where they need to be. Sh- I just love it. It's a- sure, but you would tell them, Well, are you willing to go R2, do this? Except that here's the thing that I love, and this is just a truth of all Star Wars. R2-D2 is always in the know 
Yes. And nobody tells 3PO, nobody tells 3PO. anything. Like, R2-D2's already loaded up with the lightsaber. He knows yeah. what's going on. Right. But nobody, even R2, tells C-3PO anything. C-3's your cover. Him flipping out about stuff is your cover. It's actually a great point. His yeah. total panic all the time yeah. seems to work really well. That would be well. so great if, like, at, at some point in Star Wars, C-3PO was like, why doesn't anybody tell me this? And they're like, dude... You've got no poker face. You're this is this is yeah. we, you you sell it. You're our sell guy. You, yeah. you don't understand what you've been this whole time. Yeah, um, and we and of course Jabba's having none of it because he because the whole negotiation is about giving up his favorite decoration, which is Han Solo frozen in carbonite, which we gesture over there. Um, by the way, uh, Jabba the Hutt's uh, language I actually like quite a bit and was developed by a linguist. And uh, part of what they did for sound was in addition to the. Toto solo, ho, 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 ho. They also have um, the sound of, it's like wet pasta that they're running their hands through oh. and a garbage can with a wet tile and a bunch of grit and gravel in it that they move around at the bottom of a metal garbage can so that it gives it that, you hear the insides of Jabba, that there's like some grit and some sloshy, wet stuff. So it gives it that gross sound underneath the when, woods. When John and I lived together in London, he got really, really sick once, and that's what he sounded like when he talked. You know what? <laughs> I can either confirm nor deny that. <laughs> okay. But it's certainly possible. And then we get the great laugh from Salacious Crumb. Oh, my God. Yeah! It is. <laughs> yep. It's awesome. Is this Salacious B. Crumb or is it Salacious Crumb? I think it's Salacious B. Crumb. Yeah. That's Salacious full name. Salacious B. Crumb. I believe All right, it is, full yeah. name. Then we cut to this horrible droid torture scene <laughs> where they're burning the feet of a screaming droid. Yeah. And then it's like the droid working in there. It's like, dude, you are not a droid who supports other droids. No, it's like, terrible. He was like... <laughs> And the voice of that droid who's asking them questions is Richard Marquand. That's the director. Uh, oh, is it really? Yeah. You're a uh, feisty little one, aren't you? <laughs> sounds British. And we hear that it's a good thing that's, that 3PO's here because we need another uh, translator because... Because <laughs> the other one is like falling apart in the torture chamber. <laughs> no, I think he says he, disin he disintegrated it. Mm. That's, right. Um, that's right. There's just that other one that's just hanging there. I always thought that was the... Yeah. And R2, they assigned to the uh, to the sailing barge, mm -hmm. which <laughs> Luke's plan is fairly thin. <laughs> like, he's acting all confident about all this. A lot of but factors have to fall into place. Everything has to fall into place. So I legitimately right. thought about this today. Like, I mean, obviously in the world of movies, it's like, we're going to put you on the sail barge, which is where you need to be. But I, I, I believe... In R2-D2. And sure. I believe that wherever they had put he R2... He would have the right place. R2 would have gotten himself where he needed to be. Yeah. As, as, as inept as C-3PO is, I think R2-D2 is the unsung hero of all Star Wars movies and is the greatest character of all. There's <laughs> no question that he seems to be the hero over and over and over again. We, when we did our top 10 Star Wars heroes for Collider, um, Mark Ellis put R2-D2 number one. It was a riot in the offices afterwards. People were like, it's bullshit. It shouldn't be number one. He's not the hero of the things. Blah, blah, blah. He's a he's a droid and he's not he's not capable of emotion. Like it was all kinds was of battles. The he trash was, compactor, was, the yeah. delivering the message. He I was, was on Anakin's co pilot. Yeah. He was Luke's co pilot. Right. He helped Padme Amidala. Yeah. He's helped Leia. He helped Ahsoka. He has been with every every Star Wars character who yeah. is a huge success, who's a badass has had R2 as their go-to guy. I don't disagree. I, I fought for it, too. I had, it number, I had him number six on my list. 
And I, it, but he didn't make our list. It was like eleven or twelve. It was pretty shocking. So, so to to bring it back to this, Luke's plan was R two. I need you to be ready with the lightsaber. Yeah. and that is not a thin plan. That is an A plus plan That's because R two is your guy. That's not the only problem with Luke's plan. But yes, I agree that R two is his guy. Uh, we're back to Jabba, and now, as we discussed in the first film and the second film. There have been changes to these films. Yes. And while I think the most Ugh. important change is Han Solo shooting first in A New Hope. The yeah. most annoying change. The changes in this movie, I f- the Han Solo shooting first, it happens really quick, and I go, that's wrong. And it does bad things to the character. And CG, Java, like, and CG Java is annoying because annoying. it's such a horrible scene. And having like extra creatures in the background and stuff like that, I'm like, that's not necessary. But the fucking song in this scene is so horrible. It's like nails on a chalkboard. It is. It's it's yeah. really, really bad. Everything about it is bad. And also because the creature effects on the original Cy Snoodles, who was the lead singer of the mm. Max Rebo mm. band, uh, the original effects on her were cool. Like, she was a really cool-looking thing, and the singing in there was good. And this CG Cy Snoodles, like, doing some weird inappropriate dancing around Java's palace. Super annoying. It actually detracts from the entire scene. I hate it Well, the so new much. backup singers, and it's like, what? why is this important? Why yeah. am I watching this? It's horrible. Ugh, it makes me so mad. And But we do get to see that the uh, singer, who is Ula, gets dumped down the trap door yeah. and screams. So we learn about the trap door. Yes, and not for nothing, first actual, I mean, there's some other Twi'leks in that when they read the mm-hmm. scene, there's a Twi'lek backup singer, and Bib Fortuna, I believe, is a male Twi'lek, but the Twi'leks have become such a major part mm. of the Star Wars universe, and she, Ula was the first. Yeah. Yeah. Her sacrifice did not go in vain. Oh, my God. So, by the way, Jabba is eating some live creature, yeah. which apparently is a giant African frog, and it was a real live frog, and so they had to have two tubes in Jabba's mouth. Because he eats all sorts of stuff. And one tube just goes into a junk pile. And the other tube goes down a tube into another water bath so that the frog can stay alive. (laughs) At one point, they tried to put him down the wrong tube, which would have killed him. But they fortunately didn't do that. It's a lot of work (laughs) for that frog moment. For one moment. Like you see the production design, you're like, okay, we've built this giant robotic, we've built this giant animatronic Java thing. We got eight, however many puppeteers inside. We got all this stuff, guys. We need a live a frog. live frog. Yeah. Uh, in comes a bounty hunter with Chewbacca, Boosh, Boosh, with a very interesting voice. The voice is, by the way, from the same woman who voiced ET. Oh, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Tracks. Yeah, someone who is a, a woman but had a very androgynous and somewhat mechanical sounding voice yate, yate, yoto. um yeah that's et E-T. and this person is wants to negotiate a better deal and Chaba kind of laughs at it and her trick to negotiating the better deal is she has a grenade uh, no she has a thermal detonator sorry a thermal detonator yeah the sound of the thermal detonator, by the way, just because this is uh, Ben Burt, who it just is, he loves to find sound. And so he was watching Jabba the Hutt and all the movements, and he went, that's interesting. And when they stopped shooting and all the guys climbed out of Jabba the Hutt, he climbed into Jabba the Hutt and started playing with all the little motors that controlled the eyes and the, the movements and the tail. And he heard one that went, and that is the... Uh, Thermal, what's it called? Thermal, thermal detonator. detonator. Oh. That is the sound of the thermal detonator. It's actually a little servo from inside Jabba the Hutt. Huh. So we're negotiating a little bit, 
and finally we agree to 35,000 and we turn off the detonator and they take Chewie away and this we notice that Lando Calrissian is there um, and they take Chewie off to a cell mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we're going oh something's going on Lando's there Chewie's there C-3PO's there R2-D2's there and later at night we see that bounty hunter go up to Han Solo push a couple of buttons and there's a animation of Han Solo coming back to life which is like it's like a wax Han Solo that they're pulling away frame by frame little pieces and have the red glow on the inside. But it's a really cool effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And down, then there's Han Solo. He's back. Looking all wet and sweaty and yeah. blind and, and cold. And Bosch, the bounty or Boosh, whatever it is. Bosch, Boosh. Yeah. Mm. Is like, talking to him. Boosh sounds more. I like Boosh. Drag queeny. So yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> Boosh. Um, Shantae, you stay. <laughs> And then finally, and he's and he's blind too; can't see. Right. And um, ask where he is, and we say Jabba's palace, and he doesn't know who this person is. And then she takes off the helmet and the mask, and there is Princess Leia. Someone who loves you. Leia. Does the cue hit here? Does the yep. yeah, oh what? yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Literally, it's like someone who loves you. Da-na. There it is. Yeah. Um, and then just as they're having a oh, wonderful oh, reunion. Oh, oh. Ah, 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 ah. Um, By the way, who, <laughs> whose job was it to roll Jabba's fat ass behind the curtain? <laughs> like, that's what I want to know is like, hey, guys, let's r- we're, really gonna, worm. we're really going to fool this chick. Somebody roll my ass back there. Well, and, again, well, and this is what's weird. So was there any, ever any sense that Leia was supposed to get him out of there? Or was it always that she was supposed to get captured so Luke would come and get them out of there? Good question. Because if Leia gets him out of there, then Chewie, R2, and 3PO, they're all still captured. Uh, you may have a point on this thin plan. So Steve. Luke was supposed to, well, Luke would have eventually freed everybody. E- either way, he was going to be involved in this plan in some way. Well, it's because if it was, it's it's not a good plan. <laughs> Just going to, I won't go into it too much. That's fair. Um, but uh, they get caught. And I love that instantly, even though he's freezing, just woke up out of being frozen in carbonite, he's blind, he's sweaty, and he's shivering, he is still trying to negotiate his way out. Oh, man. yeah. <laughs> he's still on Solo. That's 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 a basic instinct for him. Hey, Jabba. Look, Jabba, I was just on my way to pay you back, and I got a little sidetracked. It's not my fault. Um, and they take him away. Um and they grab Leia, who says, We have powerful friends. You're going to regret this. And his tongue comes out. So nasty. Nasty. And we get another big, salacious bee crumb laugh. <laughs> so good. Then Han's in the cell, and he hears Chewie. Mm-hmm. I love this scene. It's a great little scene. And it's like his whole, like, Luke. Like, like I. this is one of the few scenes where I wish I could actually understand Wookiee. Because, like, Chewbacca's like, no, dude, we're good. Listen, Luke sent us all here. He's got this plan. He's, like, a, he's a Jedi he's now. He's a Jedi now. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> a Jedi knight. I'm out of it. For a little while, everybody gets delusions of grandeur. Delusions, delusions of grandeur. grandeur. <laughs> and, then, and then I love that Chewie just grabs him and pulls him close and starts patting him. And Solo's, I'm oh, okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. All right. Oh, it's great. Which is, of course, they used they mirrored that in the solo Star Wars story with, mm. with how they met yeah. for the first time in a, a cage in a prison in that way. So I went to a movie theater by myself to watch that movie. Ooh. I don't remember it. If you told me, like, it's one of those, I can remember scenes of it. Right. Solo? I, yeah, I remember, like, I know who the bad guy was and there mm-hmm. was where the reversal was and stuff, but it, 
Like, I don't know. It's really vague. It's one of those. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah, for what it was. Um, The big door opens, and there is a cloaked figure who comes in, and two guards walk up to stop him, and he does a little gesture. Oh, so badass. And they go away. They choke a little bit, don't they? Is there a choke? There's a little bit of a... Maybe maybe. maybe that's just how Gamorrean guards sound, though. Maybe. Um, And you're just... Because what's so cool in that moment is you go... You saw him in the projection, and now you see this, and you're like, oh, shit. Well, it's just a great entrance. I mean, we always talk about, like, the Darth Vader entrances are so classic and the introductions of things. But, like, this is the introduction of a Luke that we had not, at this point, seen before. And you see him, and you're like, whoa, I don't know what happened. Yeah. I don't don't know how how we got here, but... This is a different guy. This is a delivery on the promise of what Obi-Wan Kenobi told you that you could be one day. Yep. Yeah, and the shades, the the fact that he's all black, yeah. the shades of Vader are all there. Yeah, totally. Connections to yeah. Vader are all there. Um, and then we cut to Jabba, and Princess Leia has a new outfit. I mean, like yeah. one of the most famous uh, outfits of all time. Yes, an outfit that, as a young man, was very special to me. And oh. now, having grown older and heard Carrie Fisher's interviews about it, and everyone has heard all of these things at this point, you know, she was forced to diet until she was super, super skinny. She was constantly judged about how her skin was folding in each position and that those folds were unattractive and, you know, pretty rough. Was, yeah. But the roughest thing had never occurred to me until I just heard this from an interview with Carrie Fisher. She doesn't talk. From the point she has the bikini mm. on until they're leaving, She, if she's with Darth Vader, she's giving him flack. Every single person we've seen her with up to this point, she is talking back to. Princess Leia is a fearless, argumentative character. Oh, yeah. And from the moment she has the bikini on, her mouth is turned off. That, I never, I I am ashamed to say this, but I never noticed that. Me either. Uh, And even when Luke comes in, when Han is there, they don't talk to her. They don't say, are you okay? How are you doing? They they totally ignore her. Well, that is... That is bananas. Right? That it's hmm. because to me, and we'll get there eventually, like, spoiler alert, if you've never seen Return of the Jedi before, she kills Jabba. So to me, what as a kid, the thing that I took away from it, and I still take away from it that I love, is that she didn't wait around to be rescued by the guys. Like as soon as the opportunity arose, right. she Yeah, she choked she, Jabba. She chokes Jabba, so we'll get to that. But that's that's the thing I and it never once occurred to me that you're right. She is, I mean, this is the woman who, like, get this walking carpet out of my way. Yeah. Like, aren't you a little this small to be a stormtrooper? And, like, yeah. she just doesn't have anything. Nothing. That's bananas. Well, it is. It's not a great position to be in to be wearing something like that, to be in that position. So it's, it's, she's probably processing it. Like, it's probably, I mean, of course, it's a written thing and it's not real, but you can say that she maybe is just dealing with this whole situation because she's in a bikini. That's like, I mean, and, and yeah, being made except, a slave. If except you made the Princess it- Leia of any of the other movies, being forced to put a bikini and sit on a fat slug's lap would be like, you got to be kidding me. I'm not going to sit on this fat slug's lap. Like, right. But then she saw how that woman died who talked back well, to her, or the she, singer. So she's she like, not I will that. not die. She, well, she did not see that. Well, but, but wasn't but, she in the room when the, was it no, as, as no, the bounty the, hunter when that woman gets thrown in the right pit? Right before she showed up. Okay. But, but it's also, if that were the point, then you would make that a moment where she started to be normal Princess mm-hmm. Leia and then got cowed. But that's not what happens. 
You know, I, I really think they just lost her character. Yeah, maybe. You know, and it, and you know this from writing. It's like there's a thing that you do sometimes where it's like, oh, I haven't checked in on this person. This person hasn't spoken yeah, in a right. while. That I have to give them some service to so that they they remain activated in the scene. Oh. And she just ceases to exist. She literally just becomes the I can't. And it's funny too, like the slave girl isn't i mean literally sitting in my office on that i have a frank frazetta that our friend dan panosian gave oh, me yeah. up there and there is the sexy slave girl like that is a archetypal character in fantasy stories and they have now put princess leia in that character which on, on from a george lucas level totally makes sense but they lost her character I yeah think. I, man i don't have as much problems with the bikini thing as other people do i don't actually have a problem it's, it's two different things because yeah. a lot of people because you know carrie fisher was very funny when like uh, and I was actually working at Hasbro at the time, but like when they did like the uh, the the black figures that they called the, the yeah black series the black series Princess yeah. Slave Leia yeah and they had the chain and some dad got super upset because yes. his daughter saw the action figure and he got upset about it and there was all this controversy ridiculous and ca- someone asked Carrie Fisher about it and she was like here's what I have to say to the father who's upset about the toy of me in the bikini I was in the bikini I hated the bikini I put the chain around his neck and I killed him yeah. tell your daughter that's that. what you tell so your it's daughter like, I actually don't. I have an issue with them starving Carrie Fisher and how awful it is, and it's awful for women being put in these roles where they have to have like this idealized body type that doesn't exist. That's horrible. But if you're going to say Princess Leia got put in the slave outfit in Jabba's palace and she had to sit on his lap and we're doing an homage to the slave girl look sure. – I, I don't have a problem with that. I actually don't have an issue. What I have an issue with is she doesn't have any lines, and I never noticed it, which I'm pissed off at myself about. Me too. And the fact that that is completely out of character for Princess Leia. It's not but, a. It's not an issue of oh, it's hor- horrible that like this is the costume she wore. Um, it's more of the how she as a character was treated in that 15 minute period of the yeah. movie. It's a minefield to walk into. I. Are you telling me that someone who has chosen to be an actor or actress on screen is, you know, conscious of their weight and has to be a certain thing and has to be uh, shot in a certain way and has to? Th- yes, this this is I this is the game. This has always been the game and will always be the game. It's male or female. Kirk Douglas wasn't walking out there with a gut to be Spartacus. The game is the game. Now, is it unfair towards women? Before you cut me off, let me finish my point. Is it unfair towards women? Yes, absolutely, because of the male gaze. It's been overwhelmingly uh, biased towards women in that way. Thoroughly agree. But us going back to something like Return of the Jedi, this is a very small part of the movie. She is not in the slave bikini thing for like 30 minutes. It's a small part of the movie. And I've always been like fascinated by people that push back against this. Women cosplay as slave Leia to conventions, Star sure. Wars conventions. So again, to, to I, me, again, that's I don't have I love, issue with it. I love, but, I, I right, love the outfit, right? But this idea of her being starved, yes, this is the game. Well, it's funny, like so. This is the game. Uh, well, just because it is the game, male or female is the game. Well, no, yes, yes. no. Hold on, hold on. That's not. Hold it on. is true. It, all actors. No, it is true that all actors. There's idealized body types in all actors, yes. actresses. Everybody have to look a certain way yes. in Hollywood, and guys have to go to the gym and have ripped abs, and girls have to have this. Women have the way shittier end of this stick than and men do. That is just that is just how and and even if this is the game, there's absolutely nothing wrong. Whether we're sitting here on a podcast or we're sitting in an executive mm. boardroom or we're sitting in a studio saying, "I understand this is the way the game is played. It's not how it should always be played." Right. That's fair. Absolutely. And that's what I'm saying. Like. We have her saying, "This is my experience." They're telling me this, this, and this, right? right? But so, so on, on on your side, hashtag in defense of John Roca, <laughs> um, 
uh, one of the things that comes up in class quite a bit, and it's always very awkward to talk about, is that the reality is is that the film industry is an aesthetically based industry. We look at movies yeah. to see pretty things. And so that means that you want to see someone in a nice location. You want to see them in nice clothing. And you want to see, in general, and you want to see people with attractive faces and sometimes if you see their bodies attractive bodies you know like it is an aesthetic um business well, and you- and i think it, that business has punished women in a way that it hasn't with men because the standards are so much more yeah. rigid for women it is true. sure well and it depends on the roles right absolutely but also america is way worse than that like if you look at like british television yeah. if you look at Fair british point. films if you look at any other industry if you Absolutely look at any true. other like what you say is 100 percent true there's no reason to argue it yep. except for the fact that when you compare the two things one the fact that hollywood specifically whether it be television or movies the the uh, the level of attractiveness and in shapeness and thinness and ripness and everything yeah. is so much higher than any other. There's no comparable place in any other right. industry. Now we are the biggest, also as well. But like, also hmm. we reward particularly uh, on places like the CW or in certain studios, oh, yeah. certain types of movies. Right. We reward bad acting and no talent at the expense of. Perfect abs, perfect abs and big boobs and yes. everything else. And so then we, those people tend to rise up in the industry. And in where so there's a whole so you are correct in the aesthetic part, but also we in our industry here in this town take it 100%. to an extreme degree. I agree with that. Yeah, 100% agree. Yeah. John, I can't tell you how excited I am about the Cinephile's new sponsor, an absolutely incredible game, Marvel Strike Force. Now, anyone who's listened to the show knows that I've been reading comic books since I was five years old, and this is like a comic book fan's dream come true. You could create a mobile squad and play as your favorite Marvel characters. I mean, everyone is there. The Punisher, Vision, Black Panther, Cap, or even my favorite Marvel character of all time, Daredevil. Your goal is to power up those characters, unlock gear, and use them to compete in player versus player mode, alliance mode, and real-time arena. Yes, Stephen, as we speak, they are enjoying their six-year anniversary. Six years, wow. And you know what that means? Free stuff just for signing up via their unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. If you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Completing every single mission throughout the entire anniversary will result in an even more special reward. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out, y'all. Check out that unique promo code, and for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. Once again, Thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force. We're very, very excited to have you sponsoring this episode. So after we see that Leia is with sleeping Jabba the Hutt, we see <laughs> Luke has now come up against Bib Fortuna, who he easily, easily uses a Jedi mind trick on. You will take me to Jabba now. Little talkable Jabba now. I will take you to Jabba now. <laughs> the mind tricks with him are just great. It's easy. We wake up Jabba, who is upset because you were not supposed to admit him, and and also mocks Bib Fortuna for being a weak-minded fool because Jabba does not fall for none of your Jedi mind trick bullshit. I don't fall for your Jedi business. <laughs> yeah, but Jabba's also a terrible boss. True. He hired his motherfucker and should have known he had. Hard to find good help on Tatooine. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, you know. And, and Luke is straight up like, 
do what I say or you will be destroyed. Right. You could profit by this or it's over. Luke is not messing around. Yeah. Um, and C-3PO tries to warn him that he's standing on the trap door. Luke sees Lando, and then he tries to force grab a blaster, and they open up that trap door, and he goes down. And again, it's like, this is where your plan was thin. <laughs> like, Well, and it's funny, because, like, and again, to your point, because I'm not going to... I, I can you can sit here and do all the all the thinking of like well Luke was probably doing this or this would it but it's like it's not laid out at all so who knows no, what his plan yeah, was right. but I liked I, the way that in my head canon about it I kind of feel like Luke however much time has passed based on some of the old Star Wars novels and you know basic uh, the way people talk about it online and stuff where it's about a year from the end of Empire yeah, to the right. beginning of Jedi so whatever he's done in that year he stepped into the Jedi role he put on the black robe he's got some cooler powers he's still a little bit farm boy a little Luke. cocky yeah, so um, he's he's cocky here and he does have a plan I don't think a lot of things go to plan for him and that's what makes him a little bit still Luke to me but that's just my headcanon well, that's not established like, anywhere in the was movie. his plan not to get the blaster and to fight the rancor so that he and Han would be taken out to the sailing barge where R2 was I think Luke and also I will say uh, being a big fan of the Clone Wars animated series this seems like totally something Anakin would do yeah. as, mm. as Jedi Knight just Anakin jump Skywalker is just like my plan is this everybody go in there and I'm going to come in and I'm going to Jedi us out of there you're like, Luke, is that really the best plan? He's like, hey, I can Jedi us out of there now. I can do shit. It's, and everyone goes, yeah, okay, that's cool. I see you, yeah, you yeah, can yeah. do some shit. And I think the plan was I'm going to Jedi my way out of there. Um, let's fight a Rancor. Yeah. Uh, he drops down into the pit with a guard and a big kind of potato head looking monster comes out. God, when I was a kid, I thought this was the coolest thing in the world. And now watching it, it looks closer yeah. to... Uh, to Harryhausen, Sinbad okay. stuff, yep. and, you know, but it's like, but God, I was like amazed. What's funny is this is the opposite of Harryhausen because this is a puppet, yeah, and it's a puppet that they had to, that they shot at ninety frames per second, which means that they had to do everything super fast in order to slow it down to be twenty four frames per second, which is just sort hilarious. of fascinating. So they had to do a four second shot; they had to do it all in one second so that it would look like it was at normal speed. That's awesome. Guard gets taken out. Luke grabs a bone, sticks it in the guy's mouth, runs, runs through the legs to the door. He's coming towards him at the door. Throws a, he throws a rock at the gate. The gate comes down, crushes the Rancor's head. And man, that Rancor Keeper was so broken sad. up about it. He was. And he raised him from a little rain. There's a whole other story with that oh, yeah. like Rancor Keeper and that Rancor. And like this is where... It's like Todd. And you know, you and I, Steve, you and I have talked about this, and we talked about this a little bit too, mm. but like me being the youngest one... To so I like I was literally the right age for Jedi, right? Uh, and especially just rewatching it now, especially like when complaining about some things that I don't like in the prequels and talking about Star Wars yeah. in a certain way, I you do really realize, and I still love Jedi, but you do really start to realize that Jedi starts to have the little things in there that are the younger part of Star Wars that Empire didn't have. Empire was super serious about everything, and Jet and Jedi starts to have the little things like the Rancor Keeper crying. Right. It's like yeah. really funny and cute, but also like undercuts the heaviness of everything yeah yeah it's interesting where you put the balance there because it's totally funny yeah it works it of course. totally funny works yeah. but it's a bit it's 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 not mm -hmm. within the movie it's sort of a isn't it funny that this is happening in the movie right kind of yeah. thing um and they bring up luke and han and i love i love their dialogue here together again huh wouldn't miss it how are we doing same as always that bad huh <laughs> don't but they don't talk to leia 
who's You're, right which there. Which is weird. You're right. It is mm. weird. I will say, actually, I will say something, and we can reference, come back to this, but as I'm thinking about this now, because now that you've got me on this whole not right. talking to Leia thing, I would also go so far as to say, if you took Leia's dialogue from New Hope, Leia's dialogue from Empire, and all of Leia's dialogue, because I'm thinking through to the the rebel base with Mon Mothma, to everything that happens on Endor, to the scene with her and Luke and later, and Leia's a little soft in this whole movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, she, does, she doesn't have the bite that she has in the other two. It's so true. that's just something to come back to as we continue to go it's through true, this. It's true. It's a good point. Um, and we hear that we're going to throw them in the Sarlacc pit, mm-hmm. uh, which does sound pretty horrible. Yeah. And we hop on the, the barge, and we see a bantha herd, which wasn't there before, but whatever. <laughs> That's the least egregious. Like, I, I don't care. I mean, I understand. It's like, I didn't need it. It doesn't bother me, but it whatever. Um, R2 is a drink cart. Yes. Which, who doesn't want that drink cart at their That's house? Totally. He makes a good martini, by the way. I'm sure he yeah. does. <laughs> um, and um, God, I want a martini now. I mean, I can get you one. Yeah, let's, talk, let's, wait, let's wait and see how far we get into this. Yeah. Uh, Han is starting to be able to see a little bit, um, and they have a little conversation, which again, I think is, I like Luke and Han. Yeah. They're fun together. Oh, yeah. Not much to see. I used to live here. You're going to die here, you know. (laughs) (laughs) It's convenient. And on board, Jabba grabs Leia and says, soon you'll learn to appreciate me. Ugh. Again, no talking back. She goes, I think she goes, ugh. By the way, uh, my iPad autocorrects Sarlacc to salad. So it now sure. says we are over the salad pit. Sounds good. Notes. Also, as I said, I had every Return of the Jedi toy in the world, and there was this really cool Sarlacc pit game that you actually built the Sarlacc <laughs> pit, and you had a sail barge over it, and you had a bunch of Gamorrean guards and Jabba and like Bib Fortuna and some other people, and you could either be Luke, Han, Leia, or Chewie. And you like would roll a dice, and you would move along, and you had to kick people off of the barge into the Sarlacc pit. Wow! And whoever got to Jabba and kicked him off won the game. Huh. That is fantastic. Um, uh, the again, we've added some digital tongue beak thing coming out of the pit, Ugh. which makes it less creepy to me. Yeah. Oh. Okay. I think it was much creepier when it was just mysterious. We don't know what's happening in there. But yeah. Now it's more like it's the it's the when I see the monster, it's not as scary. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, Jabba offers them one chance to beg for mercy. Han has none of it. And Luke just says, no, you have one chance. (laughs) Uh, And then, man, when he walks out on the gangplank and we see the lightsaber come out of Hard 2. And the the music is great here. And the music is like like the done, done, done. And then it's the buildup. It's the buildup. I love this sequence so much. Him dropping down, grabs the gangplank flips back up catches the lightsaber is taking out the guys on the his green lightsaber his green lightsaber which was the first time we'd seen that yeah it is so right. cool yeah it is and there's a there is a uh there's 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 theories online there's a lot of discussion and um like, uh, there's a lot of discussion on what han and leia and everybody did and there was a there was a great novel that came out back in the old star wars days called yeah. shadows of the empire that yep. kind of filled in the gaps of this so there's there's in that there was a whole lot of that Luke and Leia actually spent some time at Ben Kenobi's place. Mm. And that's where Luke kind of found some books on Jedi and stuff. And online, this Shadows of the Empire predates Phantom Menace. But there is discussion. That that's where Luke built his lightsaber mm-hmm. because that's a thing that a Jedi does. And that he built it. This is just online fan stuff, but I really like it. So I've chosen to embrace it as my headcanon. Okay. He uses uh, the remains of Qui-Gon Jinn's lightsaber because oh. Obi-Wan kept it and uses that kyber crystal to create his lightsaber <laughs> because Qui-Gon Jinn's lightsaber is also green. Is green. Oh, oh. Interesting. 
So uh, they did film Luke building his lightsaber, and they did film him putting the lightsaber inside R2-D2's head while he was in some sort of telepathic contact with Darth Vader, and they cut it out of the movie. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Um, it is interesting. That that actually is really interesting, because like, that would have been... been the first time we've seen that. I mean, they do a really good job, you know, and like the Star Wars universe has filled in so much, yeah. and then that all got wiped, and now they're refilling it again with the comics and the stuff, but it's like... Yeah, this is a bun- there was a bunch of things that just were never explained between Empire and Jedi, and it's kind of cool. Yeah, like in today's world, that oh. wouldn't fly. Everybody would go apeshit crazy and like start like, well, what, where's this and what's this and how did this happen? Right. But like, there was just a bunch of stuff there that you're like, we don't know, and we've gone years not knowing. Yeah. yeah. Um, as Luke is fighting next to Chewie and blind Han, who flies down but Boba Fett? Yes. Who ties up Luke, and then Luke says Boba Fett, and Han goes... Boba Fett! Boba Fett! Knocks him into the Sarlacc pit. I mean, for, for, a, for a character that took on such a life of his own, he really went down like yeah. a chump. There is nothing. I mean, like, you meet him briefly in Empire. You see him in a couple of shots. He looks really cool. You see him in the background in this movie, and then he dies. I actually wonder, and you would know this better than me, just because all of this is like, it all, you know, by the time I knew I really understood all of these characters and stuff, I was older. Like, did Boba Fett take off hardcore right after Empire? Like, was he super popular then? And like, when you saw Jedi, was it disappointing? Yes. Or... Yes, I think okay. so. Yes. Because it was a popular toy, though. Right. Yeah. Like, that's what made Boba Fett take off. I remember going like, what? Even okay. then, I mean, the scene is awesome. But they dispose of him so quickly. And then uh, Lando's hanging off the edge of the thing. And Han is trying to save him. And Leia knocks out the electronics. And she starts choking Jabba. And this is awesome. Like, to me, totally. like this is the part that I was saying before that I really loved was that Princess Leia did not wait around for the boys to come save her. She right. was like, I'm going to kill this guy. Like, she kills Jabba. She and kills? I always thought that was amazing. It's yeah. great. Luke jumps over the barge while Han is trying to rescue uh, Lando and can't quite uh, reach him. And Lan- Lando gets grabbed by the tentacle tentacle yeah. of the of the Sarlacc, uh, which, by the way, apparently like broke his like punctured through his boot and and broke his toe or something. Holy really? shit! Yeah, as they were doing it, and he's going wow. help for real, <laughs> and everyone just thought he was acting. Like, uh, when really he's D like, is, no, really he's, D like, is really bringing the oh acting job. He's so good here. Um, and uh, Han gets a, bla- a blaster, and Lando says, I thought you were blind. And this is a change I don't understand at all. In the, the new version, he says, all, it's all right. I can see a lot better. In the old version, he said, trust me. Yep. Trust me is way better. Yes. In every way. I didn't even know that that was a change just because, like, that, uh, that is crazy. That's, that's dumb. Trust me is a great line. Yep. Because he's just a blind guy aiming a gun at you saying it is a perfect Han Solo moment. If he says, I could see a lot better, it's not that interesting. Oh, George. Yeah. George, Um, why are you crazy? It's George and his goiter. (laughs) Um, And Leia frees R2. Luke fights a bunch of guy. Leia fires the big gun at the deck. Luke grabs her. They swing off the barge. Uh, 3PO and uh, R2-D2 Go just take a dive. R2-D2 just pushes knocks him. the 3PO yeah. off the barge. Uh, the barge explodes. We fly away, and we pick up the, the droids. And uh, then... It's a great action. And that's a yeah. great... Like, I mean, that whole thing is just awesome. Like, it's, it's a great way. I mean, the whole, the whole, the whole 
long and short of the Jabba stuff is, you know, we ended Empire on such like this low note. And this was such a wonderful just piece by piece getting the band back together yeah. with this ultimate payoff that was just amazing. Well, it's a classic fantasy adventure. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're going off to have it's not directly connected to the main story. We're going off to have a cool adventure. We get to dress up in outfits and do cool stuff and fight monsters right. and kill a bad guy. And it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Totally love it. Agreed. Back on the Death Star. Again, we hear the Imperial March, and now even more people are showing up. Of course, this is big matte paintings, and some of the stuff they do in terms of uh, making the reflections and the matte paintings match the lighting, and it's all, this is, what they said about doing Jedi was, it's that Star Wars, they had no idea what they were doing, and they were figuring everything out. And Empire, they were building things that were so much bigger that, again, it was sort of figuring everything out. Mm -hmm. By the time they get to Jedi, and they've done a bunch of other stuff because they've done Raiders, and they they knew what they were doing. Right. Like, this was now a well-oiled machine. I mean, this is what becomes ILM, right. is that these are now the pros at doing this. Right. And, and what they're executing here with the Emperor's arrival in terms of the visuals is just great. Yeah. Um, and we see those red guards. and we Which see, are awesome. Yeah. I never understood what they were, but I just loved them as a kid. Well, this is where George Lucas, for all the things that we might say negative about him, his visual sensibility is fantastic. Yeah. Like, you know he approved all these designs, and this stuff looks great. Well, and the rumors are there's going to be a red, there are red stormtroopers in uh, Rise of Skywalker mm. under Kylo Ren's uh, control. So a kind of call back oh, to the red stormtroopers of the Emperor. And speaking of the Emperor, let's meet him. Yeah. Uh, it's Ian McDermott, and he carries through through a whole, through all the prequels. He yeah. does. And he's great. I love, particularly in this movie, he is creepy and gross and scary. One of the things I found interesting watching it is, again, now that I live in this Star Wars universe of, even though I dislike the prequels, I love the Clone Wars, so I like that's a whole piece of it, and the new movies, and knowing that Palpatine is coming back in Skywalker, it's like... When I when he was the he was the boogeyman's boogeyman when I was a kid he was this whole, he's just the personification of evil but now knowing the entire history yeah. of Palpatine from Naboo who rose up to take over right. the Senate and then turned the Republic into an empire and then seeing this guy it gives it a whole his it, it actually um it the logic would say it should make him less cool to me it's kind of cooler to seeing this evil bad guy who's mysterious and I don't know but I actually think it's just cooler yeah. I just love seeing this guy and I'm like. This is the guy. He yeah. tricked everybody. And look at him now. It's one of those where intellectually I love that story. I think that's a, I just don't think it's executed in the prequels. It's terrible. It's not. That's why you just go watch Clone Wars. Don't watch the prequels. Sure. Just watch Clone Wars it's where true. it's executed brilliantly. Yeah. Um and we hear something about that everything is going according to plan and that we're going to get young St- Skywalker, that he's going to come to us, and that both of us are going to turn him. And I think this is also the first moment where there's, they do a really good job of Darth Vader, who has no acting ability. He is a mask. Right. Uh, but you've got a lot of James Earl Jones going on. But you also have some like I- interesting pauses in his moments in the way he responds to the Emperor. Like there's all, like there's, mm. They do a really good job of like laying the groundwork of, oh, okay, like you're not, you're not yeah. the bad guy of the first two movies anymore. You're, you're, you're different now. Yeah. It's um, very subtle. Yeah, um, absolutely. His and I think because it's the power relationship too is that now because he's clearly yeah. you know dominated subordinate. by this subordinate to this guy. Yeah. Uh, back to Dagobah and a very sick and dying Yoda. Yeah. When nine hundred years old, you reach look as good you are not. Hmm? <laughs> of course, beautifully done by Frank Oz. Um, very sad and, and and that you know Luke is like well you can't die. 
and I love the strong with the force am I, <laughs> you know. But what was that? Just give me, give me some more Yoda, Steve. Strong with the force am I. Um, but he's still gonna die. Yeah, yeah. And then we have Luke confirming that Darth Vader is his father, mm-hmm. and. Here's why this is in the movie, is that Lucas was afraid that particularly kids, but a lot of people wouldn't would think that maybe it was a lie mm-hmm. and wouldn't really believe it. And he wanted to make sure to confirm that it was the truth. Mm. I don't think that's necessary at all. I don't I do you think that people didn't believe that it was true? I mean, I wasn't I I you would know better than me because you were the one I was, you know, like I was again, mm. I was too yeah. young. So to me I mean, this was the biggest spoiler. Yeah. Of all time. Yeah, yeah. Like when you found out, like, holy, nobody went, holy shit, Darth Vader lied about being his father. People went, holy shit, Darth Vader is his father. Like it was mm-hmm. very clear. And so it's like, I think this is a beautiful scene in one sense because Frank Oz is so great and I love Yoda so much. And he, you know, he does the forced death where he dies and then disappears and the, yeah. you know, and all that stuff is really great. But its purpose is to give this piece of information. And I don't know that it's necessary. What I do like about it, particularly given uh, Luke's performance in Last Jedi and what he says to Rey about the uh, Jedi, and just like again watching Clone Wars, the jet the, the Jedi were wrong about a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. like like prevent not telling Luke who his dad was, mm-hmm. like because because Yoda also doesn't cop to it right away. Right. Like Luke like, wants to get away Luke's from like, it. Like let's talk about this. He's like, "Nope, got to die now. Got to yeah, die." Yeah. Like he's like not going to do it and then is kind of forced into it and then also is like that's unexpected. Like also says it's unexpected right, that, right. that this happened. Like they thought He says it's unfortunate. No, he's I believe check it. I believe he goes unexpected. You know what? We're both right. He says unexpected this is oh. and unfortunate. Yes, so right. we are both correct. But I whoo- love it. Whoo- I like it when that's we're both close. right. Yeah, me too. But yeah, because I do think it was all interesting and again I can't help but watch this movie through the lens of knowing everything else I know about right. Star Wars that came after. Yeah. But uh, there's a whole lot of like, yeah, you thought Anakin was totally gone. You had given up on this, which granted, he killed a bunch of Jedi children. Sure. So you're, 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 you're valid in that. But like, it really does set up this whole idea followed by with Obi-Wan in the next scene where you're just like, yeah, you guys, eh, I think this was not all well thought through. Well, well and here's the thing that's, again... You know, that goes into the weird thing. Movies don't always make sense. They don't always work in a perfect logic progression. And there's some things where you examine them and you go, wait a minute, I don't, doesn't quite track. But they were angry that Luke was leaving because he had to complete his training before he faced Darth Vader. Now he comes back and says, I'm back to complete my training. And right. they say, you don't have to complete your training. The only thing you have to do now is to face Darth Vader. Right. That's doesn't quite make sense you know that's a little weird it all yeah it all it all doesn't quite shake out when you really look at it like step by step by step yeah like we're gonna do again i think that you you can you can buy the fact that because because yoda does kind of say uh unfortunate that you went to face him before you knew like Mm. and so like i think the way that you could logic your way out of this if you really wanted to is Whatever Luke did in the year since he left Yoda, he clearly gathered the training he needed. And had he not faced Vader and found this thing out, he might have he would have been ready to go. Because I do think what Yoda and then uh, uh, Obi Wan Kenobi says it in the next scene. And again, they're wrong, and Luke's right here. They're basically like, "You got to go kill Vader." 
Like your job is to go so. kill the bad guy. Right. That's what you do. And so, but don't be angry at him or afraid or anything. Right. Else. Don't be angry or yeah. afraid. Be dispassionate. Just kill. But him. also go kill him. So Yoda, you could actually wrap this around your head is that the reason that Yoda says in Empire you can't go face him is because he's like you're not ready he's either going to kill you or he's going to turn you yeah. because you have Skywalker blood in you and I can't tell you this but this is bad shit so I need you to stay away from him and right. fuck you went into it yeah. so then he comes back to see Yoda and he's like look your training is good it's unfortunate you went because now he told you this and I'm not worried that you're going to die I'm worried you're going to do the same thing Anakin did because you've got a lot right. of the same issues your dad yep. does so again knowing everything that we know now you can go back and sort of uh, tweak it but i you are right that it doesn't really make sense you can also nerd out on it and sort sure. of force your way into it which is what i just did mm. well and it's like sometimes you got to do the heavy lifting and move the movie along yeah. and that's what you got to do and the next scene i think is i think the next scene is even more egregious honestly because luke just says i can't do it alone and then up walks alec guinness as a ghost and they sit down and have a long expository yeah. conversation where he basically explains everything to him, which I guess is redundant since I said expository. Um, but and then brings up the whole now there's a sister. I can't tell you who it is. It's Leia. You're so smart. You got it on the it first is really try. Funny. It is such a lame scene. And Alec Guinness is an amazing actor, but it's like you couldn't come up with a slightly more interesting show yeah. way for luke to discover this also i do just love the uh, yeah it is, it's completely expository and also but it does give us the great like from a certain point of view from yeah. a certain point Which of view i have used several times <laughs> to have stupid arguments like like vogel did you eat my leftovers well you left them there so they weren't yours anymore from a certain, from point, a certain of view. point of view. I mean, it really works for any argument because you're <laughs> like, true. no, you straight up lied to him about his dad. Well, that's again, it's hilarious, but not, but it devalues Ben Kenobi. You Absolutely, know what I mean? it like, does. No, I, I agree yeah. with you 100. percent um, Wait, you guys think it devalues Ben Kenobi that he didn't tell him about his dad? No, 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 no. Scene. Oh, the, yeah. The okay. way the scene plays out, the sitting down is like, really. Why does a ghost need to sit? Like, like for example, and I mean, well, and just having is, a long chat. Yeah, right. Is, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, again, this weird. is a horrible. This is a horrible uh, pitch. Yeah. And it would. This would be not great. But it's almost like Luke is on Dagobah. Yoda's disappeared. He doesn't know what to do. He turns to R two and says, "I don't know." And then you just see the ghost of Ben Kenobi. And he follows him, and you find this area of Yoda's house that has some old Jedi text or has something, and like something in there leads him to believe, oh, I did have a sister. Like, there's a lot of ways you could do it that would have played more mysterious. I guess so. That's not just like, hey, let's talk. I can't tell you this thing. Is it Leia? You're right. Yeah. I mean, that is yeah. like. Yeah. I mean, because, and it goes into classic screenwriting of show, don't tell. And this is a pure tell scene. And, you know, because we have. Obi-Wan Kenobi says things like, you've taken your first step into a larger world. Right. He's a deep guy who says deep and mysterious things. And in this scene, he just comes and just tells him a bunch of stuff. All that being said, six-year-old me thought sure. this was like, th this was Shakespeare to me. Yeah, of course. Sure. Um, we're off with the Rebel fleet, which looks awesome. Yeah. I mean, this stuff. The ships are super cool. Awesome, because of those Mon Calamari ships. <laughs> There's a, like, it was like, even when I was a kid, I was like, what? Because, like, they they do a bit, I mean, it's very, uh, from a design standpoint, everything about the Empire is so sharp and, like, angular and angular, and everything about the, the Rebel stuff is that. And so then they when, they when they introduce the Mon Calamari in this movie, who are amazing and awesome and super yeah. cool, but, like, all the Mon Calamari ships are those big bulbous ones. Like, mm. they're, like it's like the, the Rebel version of the uh, Imperial Star Destroyers, and they're super cool. Yeah. 
Um, and we meet, see Lando as a general, and we have a little conversation about... General, huh? <laughs> Someone must have told him about my little maneuver at the Battle of Tenev. Well, don't look at me, pal. I just said you were a fair pilot. I didn't know they were looking for somebody to lead this crazy attack. I'm surprised they didn't ask you to do it. Well, who says they didn't, but I ain't crazy. Because it's going to be a suicide mission, because the mission is to fly straight towards the building uh, Death Star and attack it. And then we hear, well, we also have someone going down on the planet Moon of Endor to deactivate the, uh, the what is it called? The shield or whatever it is. Yeah, shield generator. Shield generator. And who'd they get to do that one? And of course, that's on Solo. So they get the same joke back towards each other. Yep. <laughs> and then on Solo, there's this moment, well, I've got my team, but I don't have the command squad. And Chewie goes, hey, I'll do it. And you, it's like, and again, it is a, like I was saying, the whole Jabba bit at the beginning is the big version of let's get the band back together. And then this is just the quick 30 second re remix yeah. of let's get the band back together. Because Leia says, I'm going to. And me. And then Luke comes in. You're like, hey. hey! <laughs> um, Where you been? Uh, there's a scene with Lando and Han of like, I'm going to let you have the Millennium Falcon, but take care of her. In front of a beautiful, beautiful matte painting. Yeah. Uh, it's a cute scene. Uh, and we board up and we head off and have our jump to light speed. You can't wait. Back up. You can't talk about Return of the Jedi and not mention Mon Mothma or the many Bothans who died, Steve. Sorry. You gotta. These death plans. You gotta like. Star plans. Well, because first of all, Mon Mothma's awesome. Yes. And a character that was in a Return of the Jedi for thirty seconds yep. and became a huge part of the Star Wars universe and made it into Rogue One and like is just like this now this huge character who Fair, I apologize. build the rebellion over time. And many Bothans died is the most important line because every Star Wars fan in the world had to explain to all their non Star Wars fans when Rogue One came out that those are not the Bothans. This is the new Death Star plans. <laughs> right. It's a different thing. It's a different thing. Every, I, I had to have the these, that's not the Bothans conversation 95 times when Rogue One came out. Well, and this wasn't the Death Star plans. It was the uh, the code to get them yep. past the thing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so they fly off. They jump to light speed. We're back with the Death Star with the Emperor. And he says, send the fleet to the far side of Endor. Right. And they could stay out of the way. And then uh, he tells Vader... Um, your work is finished here. And he sends him away, which I don't quite understand. And now we're approaching the Death Star. And we request uh, deactivation of the deflector shield. And they transmit the code. And we're a little nervous because if this doesn't work, we're in deep shit. And there's Vader. And he goes, do they have a code clearance? It's an older code, sir, but it checks out. I was about to clear them. And Vader knows that Skywalker is there. And Luke knows that he and Vader Luke knows. knows that he knows. And Vader knows that Luke knows that he knows. <laughs> and I love I love uh, Han's uh, instructions to Chewie. Keep your distance, though, Chewie. But don't look like you're trying to keep your distance. I don't know. Fly casual. Fly casual. <laughs> Fly casual. <laughs> I bet that's a Harrison Ford line. Oh yeah. Um, it's great. And uh, finally, they decide to let him through, and. There's just this long pause, and then it comes through, and they go, hey, it's all going to be okay. I guess it worked. Of course, we know that it didn't work. Right. Um, and there's a great shot of Vader's head from behind as he's looking out, watching, and we hear his theme that just really establishes some tension. Yeah. Down on Endor. Uh, this was shot in Northern California. And uh, they're kind of hiking through the ferns in the Redwood Forest. And we see some stormtroopers. 
Julian and I'll take care of this. You stay here. Quietly. There might be more of them out there. Hey, it's me. It's going to go perfectly. <laughs> Anytime Han says, don't worry. You worry. You worry. Also, these are these are the, the cool looking, like, you know, like yeah. anytime yeah. you can get new looking stormtroopers. Yep. Yeah. These are the reason these, these are the cool ones. Do these have a different name or a they don't really have a different name? I mean, like I just call them speeder bike stormtroopers. Yeah. yeah, speeder bike stormtroopers. And he steps on a twig, and now we're in a fight, and one of the guys jumps on a speeder bike and goes away. Chewie pulls out his crossbow, takes him out. Um, there are two more of them, and Leia jumps on one, and Luke jumps on behind, and Han flips a stormtrooper, and we're into the speeder bike chase. Which is amazing. I remember being in the theater, and and here's the thing. This is one of the things about this movie, is that I think this movie introduced the idea of when you go to the next one, you're going to have an even bigger thrill yeah. than the one you had before. Like, I don't think we had it in this way, that each time the game had to be upped. And the speeder bike, I remember the adrenaline level of yeah. this chase scene is amazing. Yeah. I, and, 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 and I didn't know how they did it. Um, so the um, this really is in the forest. And they're going through, they had uh, Lucas's storyboards because he storyboarded most of the movie. And they're looking at it, and they go, man, how are we going to do this? And they decide to make an animatic. So then they make an animatic. And they go, man, this is a lot of shots. This is like 100 shots to actually pull this thing off. Wow. And then they go, let's do it. And they just when portable video cameras had come out. So they get a Hitachi video camera and some toys, and they try to film it all together. And this is what they figured out. They said, if we can figure out how to get the moving shots through the forest, because all the people are going to be composited into that. Right. Then what they could do is that they could get a shot going forward and then reverse it, and that is the shot looking from behind. So use the same. Oh. And then they go, well, and so now instead of 100 of these shots, we only have to have 50. And then they go, well, and what then we can do is flop it, which means that you make a mirror image of the mm -hmm. shot. So now I can have a mirror image for forward and a mirror image for back, and now I'm down to 25. So we cut our shots in half. So the shots that are... Um, profile that are moving along with the speeder bikes that's just a car driving through the forest here's what they did for the forward in the back was they get uh garrett brown who is the inventor of the steadicam who we talked about when we oh, talked yeah. about he worked on rocky all the steadicam stuff in the shining i think there are other movies that we've talked about that he's done but i don't remember here is how they shot it it's garrett brown with his steadicam rig walking through the forest shooting cam a film at one frame per second yep. So it's sped up 24 times when you project it. It's just a dude walking through the forest with a steady cam. That's brilliant. Amazing. And it is so thrilling and so exciting. And you have, you know, Luke getting knocked off and drawing his lightsaber and cutting the thing off it and spinning out. You have a guy who looks back and isn't looking forward and slams into a tree trunk. Right. You have Leia gets thrown off of one. It's a really, really... It's great. It's a great sequence. Yeah. And to your point, uh, you know, the sounds of Star Wars, that mm. speeder bike noise <laughs> is so iconic. Like, there's something about it that's just so great. So, I think they use it in Incredibles. So, so here's a couple things I know, because I'm sure it's a whole bunch of noises. One is a refrigerator with a bad motor. And the other one is... Ben Burt is uh, in London, and there's some guys working on the street outside doing construction work with a big like pneumatic drill or something. And the pneumatic drill isn't drawing properly in terms of the air pressure, right. so it's kind of 
and not drawing. So he goes out with his recording device and says, hey, can I record this? And they're like, what are you talking about? And he finally records it. And that is like the gear shift on the speeder button. Is that noise. He's amazing. And like, there's so much sound that's just like, I can't imagine his ears are just always going and he's always hearing things and then figuring out like a lot of the Millennium Falcon and stuff. They went down into a World War II submarine and played with all the switches and levers and stuff like that. They found a house that was uh, uh, just being sold and was going to be torn down. And they said, hey, can we blow stuff up in this house? And they blew up the washing machine and threw things through the walls and just record because he thinks things sound better in a real environment. Mm. And a lot of those sounds are the explosion of the sailing barge. That's amazing. Like, it's just crazy all of the stuff that he did. Yeah. Anyway, so after this battle, um, R2 uh, kind of says someone's coming and Luke runs up. And the only question is, where's Leia? And she didn't come back. And they are two scans for her and can't find her. And we see hairy feet and we hear some somewhat scary music and we see an unconscious Leia and this creature pokes her with a spear and she wakes up. <laughs> Cut it out. And this is our first Ewok. Yep. Yes. Yes, Queen. Oh my God. Ewoks. They're here. We did it. I should probably step out of this part of the conversation every time the Ewoks come. So it was supposed to be Wookiees. Let's see Wookiees. On Kashyyyk. On Kashyyyk. And that's why Ewoks no, are no. called Ewoks because it is actually Wookiee with the syllables reversed. Oh, good point. Oh, I, I never knew that. Wookie, I mean, I should have. It's obvious. Selling the merchandise. Um, so, yes. So the decision was made at some point that yeah. we are not going to do Kashyyyk and we are not going to do the Wookiees and we are going to do this planet full of pint sized, cuter, cuddlier creatures but again age is age is the most important part here and i was yeah. six yeah. and to me i like I, if i'm lost in the woods i want wicket to come help me not me and he was amazing and he's cool and he's cute and he's adorable and he's 11 years old this is warwick davis yep, yep. His apparently he's English and his grandmother saw an ad for this thing and said, oh, you should go do this. And he went to audition. His mom said it was OK. And they said, no, we want grownups. We, we don't want a kid. That's a child yeah. actor, all the child labor laws. And then they finally went, you know what? Maybe it would be a good idea. And they put him in a suit and he was pretty good. But Kenny Baker was supposed to play Wicket, who had done all of the who had yeah. done R2. And Kenny Baker had food poisoning that day. And that's how Warwick Davis ended up in the suit doing wow. this. Yeah. Wow. Um, There's no 11-year-old Warwick Davis poisoned the food. That's yeah, right? what I was thinking. And figured it all out. He, by the way, was a huge Star Wars fan. And when he and he's 11, so when he showed up on the set, he was like, that's Han Solo. <laughs> you know, like, this is a big deal for him. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Wicket's awesome and helps Leia. Mm -hmm. By the way, I know the movie makes it that he helps Leia. But in real life, the Ewoks wouldn't do shit against these stormtroopers. There's actually a great uh, quick sidebar, and I'll jump back in the movie. There was this comic book anthology series back in the day called Star Wars Tales that was yeah. all just like funny short stories. And one of my favorite ones that I that I remembered uh, that has always stuck with me is it's post Jedi, and there's a bunch of people in some cantina on Tatooine, and they're actually laughing about the Empire falling, yeah. and they're like, "Can you did you hear these rumors about the Empire falling? Like like on the Forest Moon of Endor, like they got beaten by a bunch of Ewoks. Mm -hmm. Aren't Ewoks these cute little cuddly things? <laughs> like yeah. And then all of a sudden, this like from the from the bar, you hear like 
you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> this old grizzled stormtrooper. Yeah. And he turns and he tells them this uh Horror story. this apocalypse now story about how they were on duty and the jungle came alive and these things were vicious and their eyes were glowing red and yeah. they just wanted and like they just it's like the stormtrooper's point of view on what actually went down and it's like right. you think this was cute and cuddly. It wasn't at all. It is funny that you mention apocalypse now <laughs> because and this is absolutely true, is that the re- the whole idea of the Ewoks, and even if they had done it with the Wookiees, mm-hmm. was the idea that an indigenous uh, people with lack of technology can defeat a highly more yep. technological uh, army, and it was based on Vietnam. And that, of course, as if you had listened to our Apocalypse Now episode, you would know that the original director yeah. for Apocalypse Now was George Lucas. Yep. That this is that there is a direct connection between Vietnam, yeah. Apocalypse Now, and the Ewoks. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So Carrie Fisher makes good friends with this. By the way, I don't think they show spears sufficient respect because they see these cute mm-hmm. creatures aiming a spear at them, and they go, "Oh, don't be silly." No. It's like, no, it's a spear. Yeah. It could. You don't have a gun on you. It could kill you. But. Right now, a stormtrooper is coming, and they hide, and together they take out a stormtrooper, and they have now made good friends. Um, Back on the Death Star, Darth goes back to the Emperor because he senses uh, Luke, which is interesting because the Emperor didn't. Are you sure? I have felt him, my master. Strange that I have not. Which I never really understood that. Like, that never really pays off in any way. I don't think so either. Like, it's just sort of like, okay, cool, but like... Well, and then the next thing he says is, everything's happening exactly as I've foreseen. Exactly. It's like, if he had been like, because I mean, I guess that the, the payoff is that like, Darth Vader can sense his son because Darth Vader still has good in him and there's right. that whole thing, but and the Emperor can't because he's evil, but you're right. But then he immediately follows it up with like, everything's going according to plan. And I'm like, well, clearly not if you can't sense him, Palpatine. Come on, dude. Wait, but I thought the whole plan was for him to bring Luke to him so he could- It is. Yeah, so the so it is going towards except that Except that again, here's, here's what happens. He goes- he says to Darth Vader earlier in the movie, he will come to you. Right. Then Darth Vader comes up and says... Well, then he sends Darth away and says, don't come back. Yeah. And then he comes back and says, why are you back? He's like, well, I sense Luke. He's like, I didn't sense him. Okay. So, so you're, you are correct that the, the big picture of it all is the Emperor's pulling the strings the whole time and it works. Oh. In the, in the nitty gritty of what's actually happening, you're like, well, then why did you say... And again, if he had not said, to your yeah. point, yeah. that's why I say it's weird. If he had said, he's going to come to you, and then he said, you go away... And then Darth Vader came back and he goes, why'd you come back? And he goes, I sensed Luke. And he goes, exactly. exactly. I knew you were going to. That's good. why I sent you away. Everything's going according to plan. Everything makes sense. But to literally throw in there, that's interesting. I didn't feel it. And you're like, but everything's going to plan. I'm like, you. It's, why you did you say cut, that? Cut the one Why line. did you say that? Don't because, say that. Because if, he had, if it had been like, I sent you over there so you would sense him, that would be awesome. Wait a minute. But he's the emperor. Right. But he's saying he didn't he sense something. He doesn't want to take that away from Vader. He lies to Vader. Of course he senses Luke. That's my thing. It's always been my thing that he's lying to Vader so that Vader feels exclusive with his relationship with his son. It helps him convert him. Maybe. If both of them can feel him. It's possible. If both of them can feel him, then he doesn't feel that. Then the Emperor can convert him. What's Vader's purpose? Vader is the Emperor has to lie to Vader so that Vader believes that he has this connection, right? Like this whole hmm. thing that was connecting okay. Ray and Kylo. People, oh, how was oh Snoke was doing that, and we find out later what we don't know yet if he was fully right. But so sense that Snoke. Was I actually it. think that's an interesting theory. That's a yeah. good. That's a good like headcanon to have for the movie. Yeah. Difference in the Snoke example 
is that we know that that's true because Snoke literally says later, right, 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 right. I did that. Since Palpatine never says that, we will never know whether right. it is just a, that's a dumb line or... Yeah. But but I but I actually think that's an interesting take on it. I think that makes sense. I mean, if he's I, I could I could, I could buy no, that. No, I, I could buy it too. Um, and we're back on Endor. We found Leia's helmet. We found the the speeder bike, and we're a little bit sad because we still can't find any trace of her. And then Chewie finds some meat on a stick. Yeah, <laughs> like like in classic Looney Tunes. <laughs> it's like, what's this? <laughs> hey, wait, Chewie, wait, wait, no! <laughs> Uh, caught in the big net trap, <laughs> and um, and there's some good comedy while we're up there. I just good love hits. his face, his exasperated face. It's great. And as they're trying to reach uh, the lightsaber, our two cuts through the uh, net trap, and we fall down, yeah. only to be surrounded by a whole bunch of Ewoks. The jungle came alive. Jungle came <laughs> alive. Jungle came alive. <laughs> um, and again, Han is giving no respect to that spear right in his face, and Luke goes, "No, no, this is gonna be cool." We're fine. <laughs> Luke doesn't know that it's they're fine. all working out. <laughs> Everything's Luke is the guy. Whatever horrible thing happens, is like it's all part of the plan. We're going to jet our way out of this. <laughs> By the way, Han Solo was was pulling on a uh, Tebow's two Tebow's spear. That oh. that Ewok is Tebow. Tebow. All right. In case anybody you. is nice. Tim um, and then C three PO sits up. Oh. Oh, they, they think he's some kind of god. Yeah. Um, if someone asks you if you're a god, you say, say yes. yes. <laughs> um, and, and and I love where Han starts to be mean to C three PO. It's like, oh, my mistake, my mistake. We're friends. No, we're friends. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, a, friend it's a good friend of mine. <laughs> um, uh, and we're up in the cool tree city, and we have Ewoks swinging around, and C three PO is brought in on a throne. And the rest of our guys are brought in hanging from spits because yeah. they're dinner. Um, which again, it, which is like it's so cartoony, ridiculous, and I love it. It's classic. You know, I could pull out like a Conan story or yeah. a yeah. It's it's classic old fantasy adventure stories. Yep. Um, and I love there's so there's I always notice that there's a little song that is being sung as they're luka, luka, luka. <laughs> <laughs> so I just found out the origin of this. Oh, what is it? I don't have no idea. Okay, so uh, again, they have to design all these languages for all these people. Right. And so here's how they did the Ewok language. Was they were looking for an indigenous language that didn't really sound like anything else. And they go and they find this language called Kalmyk, which is a indigenous language in China. And they find this old woman who speaks this language. She doesn't speak any English. And they bring her to a recording stage. And they and, and she's like, what do you want from me? And I mean, through translators. And they say, we just want you to talk, sing songs, tell stories, tell t tell things about your childhood. They just want her talking a lot and record yeah. it all. And she says, bring me a bottle of vodka. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I just want to say that I did not think that I could love the Ewoks any more than I do. And you, sir have just so, made the Ewoks even cooler. So she drinks her vodka, and then she just starts telling f old folk tales and singing songs, and she's doing all these different voices. And then what they do... Now, they don't know anything that she said. She has no idea what they're right. saying. Then they go out to a bunch of voice actors in the Bay Area, and they say, come in and listen to this, and we want you to hear that thing. We want you to say that. Whatever the fuck it is. We don't know what it is. That song is her singing. Hmm. 
That is the actual old Chinese woman singing a song. Wow. That is my favorite thing that I've ever heard, and it's amazing. And Isn't now it? the Ewoks are even better. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Um, and then Leia appears uh, in another outfit with beautiful long hair. And she's like, no, these are my friends. And C-3PO, tell them to Except let them go. again, this is where my point is, Princess Leia. <laughs> she's not present. Pr- Princess Leia in New Hope or Empire would be like, hey, fuzzballs stop it these are my friends but these are my friends like she's very soft in this movie she's not the same as she is in the other two it's a nice change though you you know what broker i don't think so love 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 broker broker. Broker. i don't think it's a i don't think it's a nice change i miss i I think that like leia does she say one sarcastic thing in this whole movie she doesn't i don't think i mean we have i you know i love you i know we have the she doesn't she has the, the whole scene with wicked is just kind of sweet She's in love, man. I don't understand. I think uh, what's the problem? It. it I, I do think that in it, of all the things that I do love about Jedi, which I love a lot of things about it, I think that Leia uh, and her performance across the board, aside from the fact that she kills Jabba, is one of the things I don't love about it. Yeah. Compared to how much I love her in New Hope and Empire, and, Empire, and even uh, Force Awakens and Last Jedi. Um and. Luke tells C-3PO that tell them if you're a god and if you don't do what I say, we're going to use the magic. And C-3PO is like, I don't know what you're talking about. Just tell them. And then we get Luke lifting up, using the force. The uh. funniest part to me is C-3PO, who they think is a god, yeah. tells all the Ewoks, <laughs> hey, I'm going to get mad and use my god powers. And Logre, the shaman of the Ewok tribe, looks at him and says, no, 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 no. And they start just, like, loading the fire yep. faster really yeah. quick. Like, Luka, Luka. Like, like, we don't believe you, <laughs> which I think is the funniest part. Well, and then 3PO, after they do it, and they say, okay, we're going to take these guys away, says, I never knew I had it in me. So <laughs> um, later on, I love this scene. I, lo- I was just going to say, this is probably one of my favorite little moments of the movie. Mm. 3PO telling the story of Star Wars and the Empire Strikes Back yeah. in a different language with perfect sound effects. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. It's so great. Apparently worked out by Tony Daniels and Ben Burt mostly um, uh, with the director and just kind of figuring it out all together how they were going to do it. That makes sense. It's so cool. And there's it's it's. Him doing it is great, and the voice him doing him doing the Ewok language with the sound effects and everything, combined with all of these Ewoks like yes. smoking their pipes and like just intently listening and kind of like yeah. t- talking to each other little asides, and then like uh, like Wicked actually when they when you get the carbonite noise and Chewie gets sad and then Wicked comes up and like hugs Han's leg, the best. like all these little moments are just these magical little moments that you're like this is so like it's the way that you buy that the Ewoks are like you know what. Fuck it. We're all in on this. Mm. Um, and then Luke slips out because he's upset. And then there's a little comedic bit with 3PO and Han where he's like, ask him about the way to get here. And as 3PO turns, like, and ask him about this. And ask him about this. It's funny. It's good. Uh, and then Leia falls Luke out and asks yeah. what's wrong. Well, here we go. Do you remember your mother? Your real mother? Just a little bit. She died when I was very young. What do you remember? Just... Images, really. Feelings. Tell me. She was very beautiful. Kind, but sad. Why are you asking me this? I have no memory of my mother. Which, this is this is one of those things that, like, 
it, once the prequels existed, this scene just drives me crazy. Yeah. And again, like this scene works great in Jedi. It's a beautiful moment where she's except like I sit here 30 years later going, well, first of all, that doesn't matter. You're not talking about Padme Amidala. She died in childbirth. So you're not talking about her. Right. You're talking about uh, the I forget Breha or whatever her name is, the Queen of Alderaan. Right. And she didn't die when you were young. You grew up with her. Like there's a bunch of things that the nerd in me doesn't right. like. But that is the that is the 30 years later canon nerd right. of me. But it is a nice scene. It is a nice scene. Force is strong in my family. My father has it. I have it. My sister has it. The one thing that's weird that, that again, uh, Carrie Fisher brought up that I hadn't thought about, the whole reveal is, oh, my God, Luke and I are brother and sister. There is no, oh, that guy who tortured me right. on the Death Star. And killed my planet. And destroyed my planet is my father. My father. Holy shit. never sh gets resolved. It never gets brought up. She has no, it's just not brought up. I didn't you know what's so funny it never that never occurred to me I didn't think about it there I this last time that I was watching it I did think it when Anakin says to Luke at the end tell your sister that you were right about me right and I was like you blew up her planet like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well this is some we're gonna get into this at the end because there's yeah. some some things that I've been thinking about it lately right that I feel like we have to discuss but right. we'll, we'll, we'll wait till there. we get, we'll so, wait yeah. till we get there so then Luke but so the whole reveal happens it is all of my nerdness aside, a, a lovely scene. Yeah. He leaves. Well, and he says, I need to go face him because right. I know there's good in him. Yes. Um, which is interesting. You know, that's his... Because Luke, it seemed that Yoda and Obi-Wan were saying, you got to kill him. That's not what Luke's agenda is. Luke's agenda is to save him. Well, he literally says to Obi-Wan, because Obi-Wan says, you have to face Vader. He doesn't say kill, he says you have to face Vader. And then Luke literally says... I can't kill my own father. And Obi-Wan Kenobi's response is, then they've already won. Then they've already won. So, like, that clearly is what they're saying. Again, the Jedis seem to... They're very arrogant. We can do an entire Cinephiles on just the Jedi Council and the shit they did wrong sure, one day. Because it's not that good. <laughs> um, see. And just as Luke is leaving, up walks Han. By the way, just as Luke is leaving in the most onstage Shakespearean way, yeah. the, like, like, there's two Ewok paths, he is... Exiting stage left yeah, yeah. as Han enters stage left. It's the funniest little switch off. Agreed. And we get back to Han's jealousy of Luke. Yep. And and Leia's upset, which she can't tell him about. And by the way, Obi-Wan clearly told Luke not to talk about this sister thing. <laughs> that doesn't it doesn't go very well. Um and it ends with her saying, Hold me, which he does. Um, we go down to the Death Star. Han's the best, like shitty boyfriend who's secretly the best boyfriend. Like he's like he's like super jealous, but then she's like, "Listen, listen, you dumb lug, just hold me." And he's like, "Yeah, okay, I'll hold you. I got you. I got you, girl." Um, and uh, Vader has arrived on Endor, and there's Luke in handcuffs. So he just kind of walked in and surrendered. Mm -hmm. This this is the well, the only reason this movie works for me is Luke. The only reason this movie works for me is Luke. Of course Vader obviously, but like Luke's performance uh, Mark Hamill's performance and then <laughs> Luke Skywalker Mark Hamill that guy. Yeah, Mark Hamill's performance and Luke as the character. The confidence that he has that he can can he can bring his father back. But this is not like you guys you said earlier Steve, this is not the insecure kid from the one who, no. like the world's too big. The second kid who's like, "No, I'm running off to do my things." This is a man fully in command of his manhood at an age 
where he can be where he's strong in what he knows and what he believes and he is confident that he can do what needs to be done but but interesting that you say it the way you said it i agree with you i do think that luke's belief in his dad is what makes return of the jedi in himself too but like but also you were like it's this guy who isn't the farm boy or isn't the guy and he's grown into this manhood and maturity except for the fact that every man mature person role model that he's had up to this point is literally like go kill darth vader and i think because he is really scared of the emperor like this is this is not like the emperor and like yeah and, and i think that the farm boy the naive kid, this this G golly kid standing on Tatooine, looking at the two sunsetting, dreaming of big things. It's like, even though he's a Jedi now, even though he's fallen into this uh, bigger role and he's stepped into it and he's badass and he's wearing the black and we're doing all those bits, he's still this young kid who believes in the inherent goodness of people. Sure, and, it's and like the foundation of him. Yeah, and and so I think that it's like. You could argue that it is he stepped into this maturity and he's confident in who he is and what he believes and what he's doing. But also all the other like mature role models of the movie are telling him one thing. And I think it's the youthful innocence of uh, belief that actually kind of makes him who he is. You could argue that you could also argue his rebellious nature from just strikes back. Just because you tell me this, I doesn't mean I'm going to do it. I, I have my own. So I think both those films actually make a great point, Mike. Both those films lay the foundation for why he feels confident that he can do what he needs to do here with Vader. Well, and he's been known for running into things without a particularly good plan. Right. He goes off to face Vader in Empire with really no plan. Yeah, no plan. The the he let's be clear. He totally defeats Jabba, but it was close. Yeah. You know, like easily Leia could have been killed. Easy Lando could have ended up in the Sarlacc pit. Like it was a close run thing. And now he's just like handcuffed heading to the Emperor. This is not a good plan. Well, maybe not. Yeah, true. Not a good plan. But certainly what he finally has to do con- connected to the tree. It, it by the works. Way, tree and, and strikes back. By the way, to the tree. I, I will say that like all of this discussion about Luke and the choices he makes and some of the things he does does make me believe that uh, the last Jedi version of Luke Skywalker that so many people say is not very Luke Skywalker yeah. actually is more Maybe Luke not. Skywalker than uh, people think. I, I will agree with that. Um, and he talks to his dad about, look, there's good in you. That was why you couldn't destroy me. That's why you won't bring me to your emperor now. And I can see it, and I can sense it, and you didn't kill me when you could have. Mm-hmm. And there's this struggle here, and you just have to join me. And and I love that Luke uses the search your feelings. Search your feelings, Father. You can't do this. I feel the conflict within you. Let go of your hate. It is too late for me, son. That's the killing joke moment. It's too late to go back. But I love it's that. too late for me. For me. me. Right doesn't say it's too late for you, but he right. does say it's too late for me. It's a it's a, that rare vulnerable moment. It is. It's great. It's great. It's the first and that's what open. I mean. It's like Darth Vader's acting in this movie is amazing yeah. for the yeah. fact that he has no face. I've got a theory that got on. Uh, we'll talk about it later, but I got a theory that I brought up in our second episode of the Top Ten Show live in Chicago. The entire crowd turned on me, oh, and really? I fought, fought. My point Wait, what, what, to the end. Oh, are we? It's coming. Yeah, later? it's at the end of the movie. We'll that talk was a about. really good teaser trailer for your point. Yeah, it is. Sure, I'm looking true. forward to it. coming up later. <laughs> um, uh, it's interesting, by the way, that the basic <laughs> structural plot of Empire is that Luke must face the darkness in himself. He must banish the darkness in himself. Yeah. And the structural plot here is that he must save the goodness that's in his father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they're very connected. 
these are the moments when people talk about these new films cheating or stealing from the original trilogy. This is Ray does the same thing in the elevator with Kylo. All the way up to the I throne mean, room. It's stealing from the original trilogy as much as the original trilogy stole from just mythology. Sure, sure, but like, <laughs> well, and, and that you know, a, a, a series has certain themes that we're dealing with. I mean, that's right. like saying but these that- are exact scenes, like exact scenes, you know. But I, but I think that's. I mean, like to me, that's one of the things that makes Star Wars great is yeah. that you know you have Luke searching for the good in his father. And you have Ray believing that there's good in Kylo. in Kylo. And this it's the circular nature of this thing that mm-hmm. makes the Skywalker saga, which is these nine movies, right. the Skywalker saga. Well, and in a world where we have clearly, you know, separated good and evil, light and yeah. dark, and the light within, you know, it's like the yin yang, is there's dark within the light and light within the dark, yeah. and the struggle between those are the themes of all the movies. So it makes sense that we return to them. You don't know the power of the dark side. I must obey my master. I will not turn. Uh, but Darth just says, take Luke away. And it, and then we stay with him. And I think in terms Which of... This is so interesting. This is, this is what filmmaking is about. Because we stay with him, it creates ambiguity. Yeah. It makes us think about what he's thinking about. I'm, I'm, it's so funny that you said that because I was watching it and Luke leaves and the doors close. And there's just that extra minute where we're just staying on him. And I was like... Well, that was real interesting. Oh, yeah. We'll stay on Vader, you mean? On yeah. Vader. Yeah, of course. Because that sliver that's opened up yep. is maybe the first time he's questioned his decision to be Darth Vader since he became Darth Vader. And it, it's the, it's, it's, we've start, the audience has started to, it's, it's really good visual storytelling because they do a really good job with, like we were saying, with the pauses mm-hmm. in his response, the extra level of acting that James Earl Jones is doing, yeah. staying on Darth Vader in these moments. It's basically telling us in a way that was like, like that in, as an audience member, you might not fully realize the first time around as you're watching it yeah. that Luke actually is right. Yeah. Like uh, we're on Team Luke yep. because of that. Well, and we're thinking about it, and it's all, and it's, and again, to your point of like, this is a dude in a mask. So with no facial expression, just filmically, we have the cut to him, and we stay on him for a moment. It creates that moment. It creates that thought, yeah. that opening. Well, that's why mask work is so important as an actor. You, you cannot. You're just moving mm-hmm. it, with its still mask, moving and conveying emotion. It's Absolutely. such a great moment. Um, Rogan, all of my work with Julie. Take yeah, on. please talk me. <laughs> um, we are starting our attack on the deflector shield, and hear that the Ewoks have uh, know about the secret back entrance, which is nice. Of course, we go do. back to the Rebel fleet. We see Admiral Akbar in his cool chair. I want everybody to go watch Return of the Jedi. And when you get to that first shot of Admiral Akbar, don't look at Admiral Akbar. Look at the random Mon Calamari in the background, <laughs> pointing at nothing yeah. and just looking around like a crazy person. It's the best. It's the best I haven't it's looked the, at this. Oh my god, he's oh. my favorite Mon Calamari. Finding random extras doing weird shit in the back of scenes is one of my favorite things to do in movies. <laughs> and here's this moment where that we're about to jump into hyperspace to go off to fight the new Death Star. I just love that they go. Prepare to jump into hyperspace on my mom. All right, stand by. <laughs> he said stand by <laughs> he said go where okay it doesn't matter but i do love you know somebody asked me this like like what was it you know admiral akbar kind of has the same thing going for him that boba fett did like yeah. here's this cool creature that they created they're like we're gonna do cool squid people uh again because i do think to your point about the apocalypse now bit and everything but like there is a, <laughs> not not that admiral akbar is apocalypse now but like Horror. but that there is a 
the organic nature of the design of the rebel ships, the fact that it's these creatures that are based on nature, like like that there is this idea of nature overtaking the machine yeah. kind of thing. But uh, but Admiral Akbar kind of just like he 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 didn't have a huge role in this movie, but man, if he didn't become beloved, yeah, totally. Um, we are at the back door, and we only got a couple of guards. Shouldn't be too much trouble. And then oh, <laughs> that's little. That let you walk takes that speeder bike and <laughs> makes it makes a dash for it, and I'm it's like, that awesome. guy is a badass. <laughs> and him hanging off the back <laughs> and spinning around, and it's all awesome. Yes, Steve, it is awesome. You know why? Because the Ewoks are awesome. You know what? Okay, so I watched it this time with my seven year old. Uh-huh. He was screaming and laughing and so happy during the Ewok battle. He was loving it, and I went, okay, for seven year olds, exactly. Yeah. Um, not for men of age. Solo sneaks up, uh, does a little tap on the back, and runs the guy into the crowd, which is sort of the opposite of the Star Wars moment. Yes, but also I was like, just shoot him. <laughs> Seems like, like why are we yeah, all of a sudden? You're literally, you got him. Just shoot him. Uh, back on the Death Star, Vader and Luke walk up to the Emperor. Welcome, young Skywalker. I have been expecting you. He's a great bad guy. He is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think he's 38 when he's shooting this. Is movie. that what he is? Yeah. And he might be back again. Does a little, yeah, does a little finger snap and off come the, the cuffs. Yeah. And we send the guards away and he's talking about. I'm looking forward to completing your training. In time, you will call me master. You're gravely mistaken. You won't convert me as you did my father. Luke is all confidence. He is. Oh no, my young Jedi. You will find that it is you who are mistaken about a great many things. About a great many things. (laughs) And we see that he's got the lightsaber just sitting right next to him. He gives it a little pat. By now you must know your father can never be turned from the dark side. So will it be with you. You're wrong. Soon I'll be dead. And you with me. So he doesn't know that the Emperor knows that the rebel fleet is coming. So why would he say that? He's actually just revealed something about what's about to happen. Again, Luke doesn't have the best plans. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, but of course, the emperor already knows because yes. he's talking about. Yeah, that's I know about the attack. We're quite safe. Um, and Luke says, "Your overconfidence is your weakness. Your faith in your friends is yours." That that line when I was a kid stuck with me because I think that might be my weakness in life. <clears throat> I don't know. There's, there's. See, I can think of three or four other ones. Weaknesses? Yeah, <laughs> Mike Vogel's weaknesses. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, that's another podcast for another day. Let's That'll be a cinephile short. Let's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we don't have time. We don't have time in this podcast. We really don't here. have time. And this is where the emperor says that this is all part of his plan. The friends on the moon are walking into a trap, um, and that it was him that allowed the alliance to learn of the location of the shield generator. And there's an entire legion just waiting to pounce on them. Yep. Oh, I'm afraid the deflector shield will be quite operational when your friends arrive. What I like about here is too this moment is that he is uh, he breaks a little bit with Luke. Luke does unsettle him when he says your faith in your friends is yours. They, yeah. He does not have to retaliate with such a 
uh, fuck you. You yeah, are, but no, you are hundred percent right that that Luke is. And Luke keeps a better poker face. Like he clearly gets oh, a little yeah. unsettled when he finds out that he the, knows the, everything. The, the Emperor knows everything. Oh, but right. He keeps a better poker face. But you are right. The Emperor gets a little snippy. Yeah. And the reason is because this is maybe the most pure Jedi they've been, ever been in contact with. And also, this is a Jedi can, that can unsettle all the Emperor's plans because he is the son of Vader. Well, and again, son also, of Anakin. If you watch the prequels, yeah. Anakin went down like a chump. Yeah, he so did. So <laughs> Luke is putting up a yeah. way better yeah. fight. You well, just had to take Anakin. This was to more, the, This was. This is, wasn't difficult. Last you had to take night. Anakin to the opera on Coruscant and right. a little story, <laughs> and he went and killed children. This, this is this is tough. Annie, um, Annie. On back on Endor, Han and Leia have gotten into the place and we think this is all going to be okay except that they're now surrounded by stormtroopers yep. um our fleet comes out of light speed they come out of death they see the death star they're all ready to go in and then they go wait we can't feel the shield we don't know if it's up or down and suddenly we realize it's a trap yeah it's a there trap it is. there it is um give it to me akbar it's a trap it's a trap and they 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 go into evasive maneuvers and then there is a shot of tie fighters coming towards camera that I remember, and this is what I'm talking mm. about, of upping the game. Yeah. I remember this shot, seeing it in the theater, and it was the most amazing thing I had ever seen. Yeah. And you think about what they had done in Star Wars, which was impressive, and in Empire even more so. There are so many ships that are moving simultaneously yeah. in this shot. Well, and in addition to that, just from a narrative standpoint, it always struck me that you know, New Hope, the, at the end of New Hope is... It is it is the X-wing fighters and the Death Star and the Death Star is going to Yavin. Like it is one giant amazing set piece. And Empire Strikes Back is Luke and Darth Vader fighting while everyone else is trying to escape and get Han and save him from Boba yeah. Fett and do the whole thing. It's two it's two major things happening. It's right. all you're doing this. And then Jedi is everything with Luke, Darth Vader, and the Emperor and everybody on the Forest Moon of Endor. And this space battle, like they've doubled right. it down. You went, you went from yeah. one major set piece to sort of a, a two, a two hander to like this three hander, yeah. and it's all amazing. It's just there's so much going on, and both in terms of the writing and in terms of the editing, intercutting these stories and keeping them alive and tension at the right level and everything in sync, super hard. Yeah, and of course, as the battle starts in space, we can see it from the Death Star, and the Emperor says, "Yeah, take a look." From here, you will witness the final destruction of the Alliance and the end of your insignificant rebellion. And again, Luke looks at the lightsaber, which the Emperor sees and says, You want this, don't you? The hate is swelling in you now. Take your Jedi weapon. Use it. I am unarmed. Strike me down with it. Give in to your anger. With each passing moment, you make yourself more my servant. Now, here's the thing about the Emperor's plan. If I say to you, you should try to kill me because then you're going to be my slave, you're not really motivating me to try to kill you. Mm. I mean, he repeatedly says over and over again, if you do this, then you're going to be evil forever and I will have right. control over you. <laughs> True, but uh, I do think a little bit of this is, I mean, he's clearly just, I mean, he's just goading Luke to like give in to anger. And once you give in yeah. to anger, you're just not rational. And I think that that is really the key here. And I think that's what's really interesting. It's what I always loved about this scene is that, and I think it's also why the, the Jedi were so duped by Palpatine back in the day. It's like they were just too arrogant about like, like, 
the heart, like the the thing that I love about Jedi and that I will always love about this movie is that it kind of teaches this idea that it is way way harder to not fight the bad guy right. than it is to fight the bad guy. Right. Like and even totally. and even to your point, even as you're right. If you thought this through, it's like, hey, strike me down. Then I'm going to be your master. You're like, well, that doesn't make sense. Maybe I shouldn't do that. But, <laughs> yeah. but I completely 100% believe that he goads Luke to yep. the point when Luke force grabs his lightsaber and turns it on. Like, I'm like, yeah, I buy it. Yep. Like, I totally buy it. I would do the same thing to that dude. There's a great theory that I read recently on Reddit about this whole thing, all the way from the beginning of Palpatine to possibly Rise of Skywalker. It's that Darth Plagueis is the one behind all this. They will not do they won't do it. But it's a possibility cuz Plagueis is remember Palpatine kills Plagueis to become the emperor and the Darth and all that kind of jazz and take over his power. But there are there's this great theory that Plagueis learned how to move his energy into objects and into people. No, oh, maybe. And that and he had and he like found, a horcrux. He, he kind of but he, yes, like a horcrux and he finds the younger vessels for to stay alive. So the emperor, who was so much younger than him at the time, Palpatine, he essentially kind of manipulates Palpatine into killing him, steps into Palpatine. Palpatine is trying to do this to Luke. If you strike me down, then you're, oh, Luke it, has to do the negative but thing. Then, but then technically, part of wouldn't he have done that to Anakin? Like, wouldn't he have taken over Anakin's body? I don't think he felt Anakin was strong enough. He knew he could manipulate Anakin. He if wanted he, to find someone stronger. Well, and then why not have Darth let him kill him? Because if that's what he wanted. I don't know. Yeah. Why not? But I do think it's interesting because, and I don't, I don't, I mean, I think this is all stuff that happened later in the Star Wars canon, but this is the beginning of this idea that, like, there can, with the, you know, that there can be a ton of Jedi, but there can only be two Sith. Yeah. Because right. they all kill each other. So, like, it, like there used to be a ton of Sith. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Tough they were job like, being a Sith. They were like, okay, we're going to have a master and, yeah, the rule of two. and we're going to have the servant. But that's why, like, like, like when, when the Emperor brings everybody in, it's like, he's fully like, y- you, Luke, are going to kill your dad. Right. And by doing that, even though Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda over here were like, go kill, go your, kill dad, your dad, the Emperor's like, yeah, go kill your dad. Because the second you do that, you're mine. You're lost. Like, right. you're mine. You're mine. I think that's what's really interesting is that, like, really, if you really break down what everyone is telling Luke to do in the movie, the Emperor is telling Luke to do the same thing that Yoda yeah. and Obi-Wan Kenobi yeah, are telling yeah. him to do. Back on the indoor, they're being escorted out by all the stormtroopers and. Now C-3PO does, which I think is his bravest moment in all the movies, which is Probably. he stands up and draws the attention away. Then we have the Ewok attack. <laughs> they blast their horn and they rise out of the bushes firing arrows and Han and Chewie and Leia start fighting back. And we see some speedsters and we see stop motion walkers. I never knew what these were called, by the way. ATSTs. ATSTs. And they're also All called terrain. chicken walkers. They, 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 are, they are more commonly referred to as chicken walkers, which is what I call them. But the technical name is they are ATSTs, which is all terrain uh, soldier transport. Okay. Good job. Um, and they, uh, Han and Leia get to the doorway and the Ewoks swing down on ropes. And it's funny. So I. Way, way back a long time ago, we did Adventures of Robin Hood. Yeah. And I said, as we were watching Robin Hood's Merry Men attack in Sherwood Forest with Errol Flynn, um, that I bet uh, George Lucas loved this and it inspired the Ewoks. And I have now confirmed that that is true. Oh. He talked about that he always, that this is his reference to Adventures of Robin That's Hood. That's great. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, um, and we get all sorts of fun. We, we, we trip the walkers. We have bolo rocks, and then we swing it around our own heads. So we get little bits of comedy. Um, and we have you know the, the, the two big things that swing in and kill them. We trip them with logs. 
They do do a good job though, as they as you go through the battle. Like at the beginning, they the Ewoks are when you because it just keeps cutting to a bunch of just different business. Yep. But uh, the beginning, it's successful business but light business. And then to your point about editing and keeping the tension up of everything, you do reach a point a little bit later on when we're at our lower point where like the Ewok stuff is not working. Right. And then you get yeah. to the later after that yeah. where the Ewok stuff is all successful. And it's just, it's interesting when you watch it where you start bunching it up because in your memory of it, you're like, ah, a bunch of shit happens. Right. Yeah. But when you're thinking about editing, like you were saying, you have all these different scenes and like, well, we don't have a shield generator up here. Luke is getting ready to give into the dark side here. The Ewok stuff is not working down here. Like you really, you, we you, need we, to have a really you watch how moment. it all matches up. And you do have that. You have like the Ewok dies moment, which when I was a kid was the most horrible thing I had ever seen in any yeah. movie ever in right, my life. Right. Um, um, but it's interesting. So when you go back and watch it, or for anyone listening who who goes back and watches this after listening to this, it's like really pay attention to when Ewok business is successful but silly, when it's not successful and not right. working, and when it actually is super successful and how that compares to what's going on with everybody else in the different scenes. Because what's going up, up with the fleet is we suddenly notice that why aren't the Star Destroyers attacking? And that is when we find out that this is a fully operational Death Star yeah. that opens fire and takes out one of the big ships. And that is a cool twist. Yep. Yeah. I remember being in the theater and going, holy shit. Yep. And at this point, uh, Admiral Akbar is like, we got to go. And it is Lando that says, no, this is our only chance to destroy the Death Star. Han will have that shield down. We've got to give him more time. Does it bother you that he calls him Han? It does. <laughs> the only one. Did, did anyone talk to Billy D about oh, this? They did. this? They Billy do, D, man. They do make a joke about it in Solo. Yeah, they do. Oh, do they? Like where I Donald Glover calls that. him Han, and he goes, it's Han, and he keeps calling him Han <laughs> almost on purpose. Like they, so they, they retroactively uh, made, made it work. Back on Endo, R2 has shown up because we're going to have him do his little jack and the thing thing. This time, it does not work out well. No, not for R2. Oh my goodness. It's brutal. And then, and then Han's like, well, I guess I could hotwire it. <laughs> and Death Star fires again. And Lando's solution is to move in close to the destroyers, which makes sense. And back on the Death Star. Your fleet is lost. And your friends on the indoor moon will not survive. There is no escape, my young apprentice. And Luke looks away, and the Emperor says, I'm defenseless. Take your weapon. Strike me down with all your hatred, and your journey towards the dark side will be complete. <laughs> and he turns away, and then he calls his lightsaber. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and I buy it. And again, he's like, because the Emperor says, your faith in your friend is your we your friends are your weakness. And when his friends are all failing, that's where he's yep. at his weakest. Yep. It makes perfect sense. His move is pretty slow. <laughs> he like, I was like, like he could have done a little faster. And of course, Darth blocks it and we go. And you uh, get the and you get the Emperor laugh with the two mm -hmm. lightsabers because he's like, ah, um, gotcha. Uh, back on Endor, <laughs> Chewie. The Tarzan swing, as Tarzan call as he swings down onto the... That bugs me. That's that's like the... Uh, oh, that a, bugs you? A silly too far. Yeah. Some of the other ones do too. Uh, and they open the hatch, grab the two guys out, and throw them away. That is Richard Marquand and one of the producers. Oh, that's are the hilarious. two guys in there. They get thrown away. And the Ewoks jump in, and they start wiping guys out. And this is as we bit the dark moment. And now it's cheering up a little and bit. Also, I do love that the Ewoks start driving and almost knock Chewie off the thing. And he gets in. <laughs> and I don't understand any language, but Wookie, he's yelling at them in Wookie. Yep. And they're giving him an Ewok, though. We got this. We got this. It's great. It's funny. And Han, classic Han Solo moment. I think I got it. I got it. And another door comes down. And then Leia gets hit. 
and he goes, are you okay? And she's not bad. And then there's someone coming up behind and she's got the blaster and we have, I love you. I know. Good callback. It's good callback. Good callback. And now the, that Walker shows up and they have an oh shit moment and then Chewie pops up out of it. And at first Han says, come down, Leia's hurt. And they goes, no way. I got an idea. Darth and Luke Skywalker fighting. I don't think this is nearly as good a it's not. fight scene as Empire, but no. it's good. It it packs a bigger emotional wall up mm-hmm. uh, just for everything that's going on and for what's really at stake here. And you know this is the big one, but especially in retrospect watching it, you just think about the fight between them and Empire and the so way it's good. shot and everything that happens. And you watch this and you're like, yeah, okay. And then Luke stops and says, I'm not going to fight you. I will not fight you, Father. And that's what makes it, and that's what I mean by the emotional part of it. It's like the actual choreography of this fight, not so interesting to me. Empire is way more dynamic. But Luke's struggle to not fight, I think, is so powerful and interesting. Yeah. Darth attacks again. Luke blocks. It does a cool flip getting out of the way and then says, your thoughts betray you. I feel the good in you, the conflict. And Darth says, there is no conflict. And he says, you couldn't bring yourself to kill me before. I don't believe you'll kill me now. And Darth says, you underestimate the power of the dark side. And he throws his lightsaber, cuts through this, you know, uh, thing. Scaffolding. That, yeah, the scaffolding that Luke's on. He falls down. And <laughs> the Emperor laughing at this moment is fantastic. Um, back in the space battle, things are going bad. And then back on Endor, we hear, it's over, Commander. We, we've won. So we just, we got to chase them down, send out all your guys, and they send out all your guys, and of course, they're surrounded by our good guys. Right. You mean the Ewoks. The Ewoks. The heroes of this movie. Oh, boy. And then Darth is walking through this dark space with his lightsaber, shot from behind, and he goes right into Luke. First starts with, you can't fight forever, and Luke says, I won't fight you. Your thoughts betray you. Your feelings for them are strong, especially for... Sister. sister sister that's the moment so you have a twin sister so and this is the moment where you go so you have a twin sister didn't he know that she was pregnant padme with twins didn't he know in fa- in a uh, uh, i don't know i, I mean, saw I, that movie once i, I feel like he did know so this is why it's a weird line and I think I think other that people once he knew Luke was alive, he should technically know that there was a sister somewhere. Right, because Padme died giving birth, and so uh, he was she was giving birth to the twins. Well, to this the is twins. this is where this this is where Revenge of the, the, the yeah. it's it's it, that's what I was saying. Like yeah. with the day of Luke scene, like there's this people going back and watching all these movies now. Yeah. There's a lot of things that like Yoda says and that Obi Wan says where right. with a squint test you can kind of go this all kind of tracks, but anything dealing with Anakin knowing that Padme was pregnant right. or like Leia talking about her mom or any of this stuff like this is where it all falls apart where you're like yeah they didn't have this figured out and we've all sort of and and it's right. it's really on George Lucas for not like it's not like he didn't have Return of the Jedi yeah. as reference material so there's certain things that he should have done I was like oh I got to probably figure out that who's Leia talking about right. like but like he never did like oh Padme survived a little bit and Leia knew she had a real mother or something like there's stuff right. that he didn't do that he could have done but he just sort of ignored it and said ah it doesn't really matter. Yeah. I'll tell you what's weird to me. It's not weird to me that we didn't have everything figured out in the first thing that we needed to know eight movies later. That's not weird to me. That's if you've read comic books for right. you know, yeah, you know it's like part. that's just we don't figure everything out. It's not possible. What's weird to me and I actually think it relates to Force Awakens and Last Jedi too 
is it's not listening to the things you said in the last movie. That's what I mean. It's different from like, mm, oh, yeah. I hadn't figured stuff out. It's like, no, they clearly said they had figured a thing out. Yeah. They were set because like when you go to Force, and I don't want to go down this road, but you go from Force Awakens into Last Jedi, they were clearly setting up specific things that then they just threw away. Yes. And, and it's sort of like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, what, you know, like that's what's weird to me. Wait till you see what happens to her parents in the third one. Like, I understand that you didn't know that Superman would have a dog named Crypto in the first issue of Action Comics. <laughs> but once you've established the dog named Crypto, you can't later on say his name well, was Fluffy. And that's what I mean is that it's doesn't, it doesn't bother me that, like, you know, like, for example, like Luke and Leia kissing in New Hope for luck. You know, like that right. weird, that weird or, or her kissing him in, in, in uh, Empire. Because they don't know. Because they don't know that. Then they figured it out, and you're like, oh, okay, it's a thing that happened. But when you have Return of the Jedi where... But 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 in in that outtake from Force Awakens when they're making out, that's not that's right. weird. But no, but I mean, like, but when you have Return of the Jedi, where Leia has this long scene where she's like, "This is who my mother like." I don't really remember my mother. I, I, my mother was sad for some reason, and I don't know why. Which is clearly what they're going for. There is my I got raised yeah. for at least a time by the woman who was sad because yeah. her husband was you know whatever. And then, like, to just get... And it was good. And it was a good scene. And it was a good scene. So then to get to Revenge of the Sith and do all this stuff where Padme dies in childbirth and you're just like, but... Uh, that's where that's where like that's one of the litany of things that we could do if we ever decided to talk about the prequels but but i would have to watch them again and that's not so there you go so we'll do the ewok movies instead but is the sister and the realization that they're going to go after her next yeah that does turn luke into full rage mode yep. and he attacks that's the that's the key yeah yeah and, and again, it, it's just because his love for his friends yep. that's the that's the way in for him that's and, the key and now he gives darth the full beatdown Gives him the business to the point of cutting off his hand. Yeah. Great, great moment. It is. Thus proving that the dark side is stronger than the light side, without question. That the dark side is stronger. He couldn't beat Darth until he got his oh, rage power. Right, 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 right. And it's great because his face is shown in, in darker tones. Yeah. So you see that there's more here. But then in that moment... He stops. He stops. Well, because, yeah, I mean... And he, it's like, he throws it's, the like, lightsaber away. Even, even as a kid, I understood, like, it's like... Oh, I cut off your hand the same way that you cut off mine. Right. I am you. You are me. I have now fulfilled the moment where I faced myself in the tree. In yes. the tree, yeah. Yes. Like, and and he says, "No, I'm not wow. going to kill him. You're never going to turn me." And the emperor goes, "So be it, Jedi." Then young Skywalker. Um, you die. <laughs> we have a quick shot of Han running away from the shield generator. I love how Harrison Ford runs. <laughs> it's just great running. Just and man. blows it up, and suddenly the shield is down, and we can start our attack. Um, and back with the Emperor, who says, if you will not be turned, you will be destroyed. And now we see the power of the dark side. If you will not be turned, you will be destroyed. <laughs> And as this is happening, he's, he continues to talk to him, and Darth gets up, and the Emperor attacks, and Darth moves behind the Emperor, and the Emperor moves in, and Luke is struggling, and the Emperor says, Your feeble skills are no match for the power of the dark side. And then Darth is watching, and the camera is pushing in on his mask, and Luke says, And then the Emperor says, Now, young Skywalker. You will die. I like the way he says it. You, you will, will die. die. And Darth looks from the Emperor 
to Luke. And again, this is perfect, perfect storytelling, I think. And the camera pushes in on him and Luke screams and Darth turns to the Emperor and Darth says in the special edition, no, and picks up the Emperor in this really cool way, I think. And I love that his lightning just shoots up yeah. as and he throws him down this huge tube for That's a big explosion. proving that the light side is stronger than the dark side. <laughs> I hate the no. I hate the no. Yeah, the no. It wasn't necessary. The dark. Well, it wasn't necessary in Sith either. It was, that, yes. that, that Darth Vader saying no is a no-no. Yes. Well, it's just, and this is where I don't, you did it. You were good. Right. Don't, you know, don't change it. Cool. I, I, I will quote, again, it's somewhat filthy, but I think I might have said it the last time we talked Star Wars. Uh, Mike Hoover is my partner, his expression about when to not change things. And he says, how do you keep a heart on? Don't fuck with it. No. I mean, it's good advice. Yeah. When something works, don't fuck with it. Yep. All right. Uh, and now we're on the surface of the Death Star, and then we do this great turn as we go inside the Death Star. And again, this is upping the level. Yeah. We had the attack on the Death Star in the first film, and now we're going through the Death going Star. Going through the Death Star is so awesome. It's yeah. great. Yeah. I'm going in. Here goes nothing. And TIE fighters are crashing, and the and you know, something gets knocked off the Falcon, and we have a little, oh, that was close. And now on the out in the space battle, we gotta buy them more time. So we're gonna attack the Star Destroyer, and we take out the shield generator, and then we have on the bridge of the Star Destroyer the it's coming right for us. Yep. <laughs> and the screaming green leader or whatever slams into it and then the great shot of the star destroyer super star destroyer going straight down into the death star yeah. admiral akbar sort of like falls back in his chair relieved he's like we fucking did it <sighs> um fuck your trap uh inside the death star luke is trying to drag darth back to his ship um can't force lift him or anything like that but he's tired i understand he was almost killed um been through a lot today he's been seat. through a lot can't take him any further and then uh Darth says, help me take this mask off. Yes. But you'll die. And if it was Scotty, he would have said, sir, he's dead already. He's dead already. <laughs> um, uh, and they take off the helmet, and there is that uh, uh, that version of Darth Vader under the helmet. And this scene is nice. It's a good scene. No? You don't think so, John? Yeah, I love this scene. Oh, what do you, what do you mean that version of Darth Vader? Well, that that died in the special look... edition. Do they change it? No, not, no, 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 not no. there. <sighs> but that guy still looks nothing like Hayden Christensen, who they later. Oh, put right, on at that's the bullshit. End. And 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 so it's like, look, you can't have him look one way here and another yeah, way there. Thoroughly agree. Well, you know, also because Hayden Christensen is short and Darth Vader is huge. Yeah, right. Um, and and Darth says, "Leave me." No, you're coming with me. I'll not leave you here. I've got to save you. You already have Look. You were right. You were right about me. Tell your sister. You were right. There's some stuff I feel about this, and we'll get we'll get into it at the, at the end. We'll get, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll save it as, we're, yeah. Um, but the scene is great, and there's a great death scene. And we hear one of the things I love is you hear two different versions of the Imperial March now played under his death, yeah. like in a major key on a different instrument that sounds sort of light and happy instead of threatening and powerful. It's a 
really, again, redemption. can't say enough about John Williams. It's redemption. Yeah. Um, we've reached the core, and one side goes to, you know, one side of the core destroys it. Lando and the Falcon go to the other. There's a huge explosion. Uh, the fleet is moving away from the Death Star. Luke is taking off as things are blowing off. Wedge gets out of the Death Star, and then the Falcon, I love, just chased by the explosion, comes Whoosh. out in a burst of flames as the Death Star explodes and escapes. <laughs> That scream and laugh is one of the best uh, reactions in any yeah. Star Wars scene ever. Oh, it's great. Lando's and, fantastic. And I'm fine with George Lucas making the explosion bigger. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's fine. Totally fine. And, of course, we can see it from Endor where there's a celebration, and Han and Leia look up and see it, and Han says, I'm sure Luke wasn't on that thing when it blew. He wasn't. Which is using the Force for anybody yes. who gets mad about Leia, saying yeah. she never used the Force in her life until Last Jedi. Right. That's her using the Force. Absolutely. And Han says, you love him, don't you? And she says, yes. And I love Harrison Ford, like, okay, I get it. I'll step. I'm not going to cause a problem. <laughs> Such an idiot. But then he gets, Harrison Ford gets so much mileage out of the next reaction, because then when she's like, no, no, he's my brother. And he has like one reaction. He has ten different reactions. And, like and then there's this other like, like he <laughs> basically like, that. This, and then just he gives the Scooby Doo reaction. Yeah. And then literally a shit eating grin. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. Like oh, I won. <laughs> I'm gonna get the girl. I won. I'm gonna teach a master class in acting, and the entire <laughs> class I'm gonna charge a lot of money for it. And all I'm gonna do is show that scene from Return of the Jedi. <laughs> If you can um, do this, you can be successful. We hear the horns blow, and then we see sort of the funeral pyre for Darth Vader, where we hear, instead of the Darth Vader theme, we hear the Force theme. Mm -hmm. He's all by himself. No mm -hmm. one else is there with him. Yep. It's just Luke. A bit. Not even Leia is there. Yep. No. It's very interesting. Um, and then we see fireworks over the Endor moon, and then we see the fireworks all over the galaxy. First of all, we lose the Nyub Nyub song, which is a crime oh, against humanity. Oh, they take it out and they do a new edition? Yeah, because it's this new sort of more galactic, it's like this uh, life celebration thing. I forget what it's called. But like, yeah, the, the original like Nyub Nyub. Nyub Nyub. That became a song. Like that was a pop song hit. Um, that goes away, and and this is one of those things where I don't love the change. But Can also I talk I about get Yub, it? Yub Dub before you go? Yeah, to, yeah, go for it. So so I've been thinking. I love the Yub Dub song. Yeah, and I've been thinking about this and going like, why is this bother? Because the the music that's playing is nice. It's not like the Java scene where it's horrible. Right. This music, it's good music. I, I I and what I think it is is, and I'm going to use big film school terms, which is diegetic and non diegetic. And what diegetic means is something that exists within the scene. Mm -hmm. And non-diegetic is like score. So, so if, if there's non-diegetic music playing, the characters in the movie don't hear that. Whereas right. if I turn on a radio, that's diegetic. Everyone hears that. So Yub Nub was diegetic. It was the music played by the Ewoks. And so what you were seeing mm -hmm. was a celebration that you were in the middle of. And you were having your celebration on this quiet little planet away from everybody with these primitive people and nobody else knew what was going on right. and it was just really personal. By having the sequence going around the galaxy and seeing all the different celebrations and hearing score instead of source music, you've taken away all of that emotional energy. Yeah. It's not just that I like the Yub Nub song. It's that it totally changes the mood of the moment. So what I was going to say about that was 
of all the changes he makes that some I think are less egregious and some are more egregious, this is a major change. And I love the Yub Nub song as an Ewok fan. And so that is part of why I don't like it. But I, this is one that I understand the impulse behind. I just think there maybe was a better way to do it. Um, because I do understand this idea that like, well, I want to get across this idea that like the empire has fallen, right? Like this is not just we're celebrating here. Like the empire's done and they had already built. I also understand the, we're doing these prequels. We've already built these things. Let's get it. So this was the first time when you were, you went to go see the, the special edition in theaters and you got to see Naboo for the first time and you got to see Coruscant for the first time. So I get it. Um, but yeah, I think that I wouldn't mind the change. I just wish that they had figured out a, a different way to execute it so that you didn't lose what you had as much. Well, and they, we don't, the emotion of our characters who we love celebrating is lessened. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. By, by spreading it out like this. But we do have, you know, Luke showing up and there's hugs with Leia and Han. Wedge shows up yep. and there's a hug with him. And then uh, the other pilots are celebrating and then Luke looks up and sees Obi-Wan and then sees Yoda and then sees Anakin. Hayden Christensen. Hayden Christensen in this case. Okay. So what that's is it? So now so, let's talk about your Darth Vader feelings. What does it mean? And, and, and put aside whether it's Hayden Christensen or Sebastian Shaw, I think is the other actor. What does it mean to see Darth Vader standing in the Force Ghost thing next to Yoda and Obi-Wan? Redemption. Do you feel it is that Darth Vader has been redeemed? I've always felt that he has. I believe that is what the movie is telling us. Mm-hmm. I have a problem with this. Okay. So the emperor is essentially Hitler, right? He is a mass murderer of epic and dark proportions. Okay. Darth Vader is his right-hand man. He's Goebbels. Sure. If Goebbels sacrifices his life to kill Hitler and save his son, is he redeemed for all the horrible things that he's done? Possibly. No. For me. Because you're making the comparison that he's Hitler. Well... He he's could be any whore. kind of. He could be Stalin. So if he's Voldemort, so way take, more than Hitler. Let's did. do as, as I often like to say these days when we <laughs> when these debates come up. Let's take Hitler out of it. Sure, yeah. take Hitler uh, out. Darth Vader is Darth a Vader, horrible, evil person who does horrible Darth evil Vader, things. Darth Vader has can't just, do that. Well, no, just like, but if you just if you were to count down Darth Vader's war crimes, the things that Darth sure, Vader sure, sure. has personally been responsible right. for, and let's start from I walked into the Jedi Temple. And I killed a bunch of Jedi children. Okay. Like starting from there yeah. and going through every. Through destroying Alderaan. Destroying, destroying an entire right. planet. Right, right, right. Uh, the torture. people that he killed, tortured, sure. destroyed sure. everything that he did. And support an evil empire. Um, and yeah, and was the guy that was your main enforcer for everything that the empire was responsible for. Right. And then he saves his son. Like well, so, saving your own child is right. not. Even but he also bad saves people... the universe by destroying Palpatine. True, but only his, does it to save his son. His intention is irrelevant. The result is important. The in every the, the universe is the galaxy is now safe from more death, more intention is more. not irrelevant in terms of redemption. In, in your mind, I, I I think he's completely redeemed. Well, everything I'm saying is in my mind. Well, I know well, you're saying it as a fact, and I'm saying yes. it's not true. So I, I think, I think because look at look. Look at George W. Bush. I think I'll tell you what I think in a minute. Look at George W. Bush. <laughs> George W. Bush created bullshit reasons for us to go into Iraq. All those young men and women died for nothing. Why are we okay with him handing candy to Michelle Obama now? 
Well, I have no problem with him handing candy, but I don't feel that he's been redeemed. Many people feel he's redeemed now. So here's what I think. Yeah. Not Cheney, who is the emperor. I think that... <laughs> fair. Fair. I think that what happens at the end of Jedi is that Luke looks over and sees the three father figures yes. that were in his life. Mm. And I think that great point. what was important for Luke was that there was still good in his father. And I think the reason that that's important is because whether or not Darth Vader was going to be put on crime, put on trial by the New Republic for his war crimes and whatever punishment the New Republic was going to mete out for him had he survived is one discussion, and that's one thing. That's social justice. That's a justice system. That's one thing. Uh, what Star Wars is talking about is not whether somebody in the eyes of the law needs to be punished or put away for years for what they did. What sure. Star Wars is talking about is we live in a world where people are going to tell you there's absolute good and there's absolute evil. And, you know, you can even look at it today as we start pulling politics into this discussion. We talk about, like, this person disagrees with me and they're on the other side of this and they're 100% wrong and they're evil and they must be destroyed. You have Obi-Wan Kenobi, you have Yoda saying, Darth Vader is complete evil, you got to kill him. You got the Emperor saying, you got to kill him. You got Luke Skywalker in the middle of all this saying, like, for all the awful things you did, and I know the awful things you did because you've been chasing me down for years and I've seen you do awful things. You're my father and I still believe that there's good in you. And I'm going to find that good. And he finds the good at the end. So what we see at the end is Luke seeing these people and knowing that for Luke, not that he has forgiven his father for all the evil things that he's done, but that he has made peace with his father. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a great explanation. I I, I, st- I think that it's framed a little bit as redemption, but that explanation I, I it makes sense. It's interesting the way Star Wars morality works because it seems to be very much a, a switch, mm-hmm. which is that... If you use your anger to kill your father, you're 100% now bad. If you do this, you're now 100% good. It's not, it's not a gray universe. It's a, you, if you go with the bad in you, you become mm-hmm. on the dark side. It's dark side and light side, which is a, a non-complicated morality, but in which Luke seeing good within his father is what saves the universe. Yeah, right. And also, Anakin is not evil from birth. If you watch the Clone Wars, if you even watch uh, the prequels for sure, the, the prequels, prequels yeah. he is defending the defenseless. He is a good Jedi. He does a lot of good things. It is eventually when he when he turns the vigor with which he did one thing, he does the other, and I, he comes from a complicated upbringing sure. with the mom, with the dad, all of that. Not knowing his father is his father may be Palpatine, which is now the big rumor. And this, yeah, like an immaculate uh, birth. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's the big rumor now that it's in, it's the reverse of an immaculate birth. And so, or evil immaculate birth. And so. that If they do that, I will walk out of the movie theater. <laughs> Shmi is essentially raped and beaten by the Tusk uh, Raiders, whatever they are. And he ends up killing all of them. Right. That's the thing. That's the thing. He's ripped from his mom when he's like nine fucking years old. And he's thrown all this shit he falls in love with this woman, but like he does not have that. So there's a lot going on here that I the think, universe. I think structurally, up. that's. I, I don't think they do a good job of telling that story. But everything you say, I think, makes perfect. Yeah, sense. and I think that's that's why when he turns evil, it's somewhat believable, especially the Clone Wars, really believable. Well, I was going to say that. I think also part of the. And again, this gets to like final thoughts on the whole thing a little bit. Yeah. But like I do think. Well, we that, do have to hear the theory. Oh right. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> what was it? Yeah. What was it? Well, do you want to finish? Your no, no, no. Because I'll wait. I'll save it. For, sure? I'll save it for the final thoughts. I want to know okay, the theory. Okay. What? So in Chicago, we're there. We we counted our top ten Star Wars villains, right? I put Anakin and Vader on my list as two separate entries. 
and this ex- exploded the crowd because I said when Anakin is a villain when he becomes a villain he is Anakin without the costume on right to me he is not Darth Vader until he puts the costume on and Padme dies then he's fully Darth Vader they countered with no the emperor calls him Darth Vader christens him Darth Vader but I'm like that's still Anakin that's still Anakin, and he does not become Anakin again until he reestablishes connection with his family at the end of Jedi. And this bl- this so, exploded the crowd. I 100% agree with you. Wow. And I will give you two examples of why I agree with you. Okay. Is that, uh, like, if we go to Batman Begins, Christian Bale fighting Ra's al Ghul with a sword in the mountains of Nepal ain't Batman. He's not Batman. He has to go through something else to become Batman. And a better example is that in Watchmen, Rorschach was not Rorschach mm-hmm. until he found the dog that yes. had, that is he was he said I was dressing up as Rorschach. Yeah. But I had not become Rorschach yet. Right. I don't think that Darth Vader has become what Darth Vader. What was the list for? What was the what Top was the list? 10 Star Wars villains? And Vader is a different villain uh, than Anakin. He is transformed. Right. And the thing is, they're, they're, they're I countered, totally agree. They countered back, well, no, because he throws the Emperor while he's still wearing the outfit. Technically, your reasons are incorrect. And I'm like, no. He is that act and then asking to have the mask taken off. That is him saying, I am Anakin again. I'm becoming Anakin again. Yes. Totally and agree. I he's, and I, he's not Darth Vader until he puts on the outfit fully, rises up. He tells him that Padme dies. He does the no. Then he's Darth Vader. He's the, and then he stops being, he's Anakin Skywalker again when he throws the Emperor down. And seconds later, Luke it removes the mask. That's my argument. The crowd, the crowd turned on me. The crowd <laughs> turned on me. You're that wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. It was incredible. That is interesting. I, I, I'm with you. I don't know that I would make that distinction, but I think that there's definitely a valid case to be made for that distinction. Yeah. For sure. That's right. That's why I have a job in this business. <laughs> that I why? don't follow along what everyone says. I look for something new and different and interesting, and it's there. There you go. Um, I could talk a little bit about post-production, but I don't really need to. I could talk a little about the reception, but let's just say it was a really big hit. <laughs> um, won a, it was nominated for some Oscars. It won a couple of Oscars. But what really happens, I think, is that it creates this connection to the Star Wars universe that was so strong that... 16 that there's comics and books and video games and pinball machines and 16 years later we have the prequels and now we are back where the star wars universe is if anything bigger than it ever was um and certainly jedify solidifies all that yeah shall we go to our final thoughts about this film yeah i mean my final thought is actually along the lines of what you were just saying which is as I said, I loved this movie as a kid. I mean, to your point, it solidified my love of Star Wars. And I was at that exact age. So as all the novels came out and the comics came out and the toys came out and every, every time there was new toys or anything, like I, I never stopped loving Star Wars and buying stuff. I What I find interesting about this movie is that it is impo- so much of the major stuff of Star Wars happens in this movie. The reveal of Leia, the Emperor, Darth Vader, that it's impossible mm-hmm. to watch this movie now without the context of all the other stuff that we've now watched. And I think that that's fascinating. Like what I find fascinating about the Star Wars universe more so than just Jedi or anything else is that you have these three classic movies that have, that exist on that existed on their own for so long and now are just in the middle of this epic saga with all of these extra stories that have been told around it and 
it changes the way that you watch the movie, which I think is the most fascinating, interesting thing to me. You know what's funny, and I'll give my final thoughts next, is that, just because I think it relates to this, is that I have read some comics, I've read some books, I've watched Clone Wars, I've, you know, I've watched some of that stuff, but for me, maybe it's because of my age, is that the first three films are the Star Wars films, and that is that it, they're not colored by all the other stuff. They're like the archetypes for me. And then everything else, some of them are really good and I totally like and some are not. But they don't affect what what that stuff is here's, for me. Here's what I mean. I agree with you that, I mean, even I'm at the age where I think the three original Star Wars films are the original Star Wars films and everything else is that everything's been built around it. But what I mean is, and it even kept happening tonight, it is impossible for me to watch, right, to say, not- to watch, say, Yoda and Obi-Wan Kenobi talking to Luke about his father being Anakin. Without and thinking not of, yeah. thinking of the Jedi Council on Coruscant and all the adventures that Obi Wan and, and Anakin, I don't you know, think of all that stuff. Yeah, and I think I mean like it's 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 it all just it all has become one giant epic mythology to me right. that watching it makes me think a thousand other things about these other characters and these other things, and it's just it, it which I which I don't think detracts from the fact that these are the original movies to me. It just gives them new shape and new context. I'll, uh, one other thing I'll say is that it, with this film, I I love. I love A New Hope. I love Empire Strikes Back. And in this movie, I love the things that I love. And there are other things that I don't like as much, and they don't detract from my enjoyment of the film. But this is far from a perfect film for me. This is one where it's like, I let it wash over me, and I get some good Star Wars stuff, and it's a lot of fun. And if I think about it a lot, eh, there's some stuff that doesn't hold Mm -hmm. up quite as well. Yeah. Um, Sadly, I would say this, this was a bit of a letdown for me because I didn't like the Ewoks thing, I've never liked the Ewoks thing. From the and because Empire was so dark, it was yeah. so good. And to me, like with uh, Godfather Part Three, if you cut out every Sofia Coppola scene, that film is damn good. If you cut out mm-hmm. every Endor scene, the film still works for me and is still f- fantastic. If you keep all the battle space battle stuff and you keep you keep the darkness of the journey of Luke because Luke is the reason why I watched this film from beginning to end it is his journey the father son stuff it's very relatable to me not that my dad was Vader or anything but it's very relatable <laughs> to me the journey of like you know discovering the good and the bad that your father is that's what you discover as a sure. child growing up eventually you realize oh my dad's not a hero all the time he's done some terrible stuff or bad stuff He's a human being, like everybody else. And so he's like, oh, okay, those are the journeys you go on. We saw that in Black Panther. Those are the journeys you go on. And that's what I love about the film. It is those scenes. This is some of the best acted scenes in all of Star Wars is in Jedi between Luke and James Earl Jones or Luke and the Emperor, even Luke and Leia in that scene where they're talking about uh, brother and sister. And that's the first time I think actually Leia uses the Force is when she says, I kind of knew that all along. And they're like, oh, so she's got a connection to something there. So there's little things that you can take from this that are great jewels that like make you enjoy the film. So it's 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 the my least favorite of the three, but it's still, the trilogy as a whole is still the best trilogy of the entire Star Wars universe. And, uh, and I enjoy it for that and what it is. And I like the way it ends. I like that it ends with this resolution and positivity and yeah, no, I agree. A- no uh, ambig- ambiguity. And I love that about it. And I'll always come back to these three films. And it's been a goddamn joy doing it with Mikey. And you, of course, obviously. Thanks. But like having Mikey along is a nice balance for us doing these films. You know? Of course. So that is what we think of Star Wars Episode Six: mm-hmm. Return of the Jedi. Of course, we always want to hear what you think. Please visit us on our Facebook page. Do a search for The Cinephiles. Subscribe to us on iTunes or YouTube. 
YouTube, leave your reviews, leave your comments, support the show. You could do so on patreon.com slash the cinephiles where you can select a movie or give us a subject for a cinephile short. We just recorded a cinephile short to three of us sitting right here a couple of hours ago. Yeah. Patreon.com slash the cinephiles. You can visit cinephiles.net to buy Return of the Jedi or any other movie we've ever reviewed. And you could reach me on Twitter at SR Morris, on Instagram at SR Morris One. John, where could they reach you? You can reach me at The Roca Says on Twitter and on Instagram. Mikey, where can they reach you? At MKToon on Twitter and Instagram. And one last thing, Steve. Mm-hmm. Uh, stay tuned for a new show coming from me, Michael Vogel, and Shannon McClung. We This is the first official announcement on a show Whoa. that is coming. So it's uh, official. It's official. We've got a website. We're going to be putting this up. Does it have a name yet? It does. It's called The Geek Buddies. And the three of us are going to get together and talk nerd stuff every week and break it all down uh, and have a lot of fun, do some re- interviews, what have you. But we've been working on it, like talking about it for over a year. I'm going to tell everybody a lot of stories about John Roca, the younger years, <laughs> as we discuss oh. uh, weekly events and entertainment. So yes. come come, stay tuned for that. It's you gonna folks be very are going to want to tune in for this stuff. <laughs> yeah. I've heard some of these stories. <laughs> well, and also, you've you've heard us on the set, which is why I think it's the right, right place to announce it. You've heard the three of us on the Cinephiles before Absolutely. talking stuff with Steve and having our fun. That's going to be our weekly thing, just kind of breaking down all that kind of jazz from the world of nerddom and comic books, superheroes, and regular films and TV and comic books, possibly. So everything's in play. If it's nerdy and it's geeky, we're the buddies to talk Geek to about it. There it is. It. That's right. The buddies well, to talk about it. Well, so that's it for this <laughs> this week. We will see you next time on The Cinephiles, and you will visit The Geek Buddies coming soon. <laughs>